up the flats and up St. Pat's, rovers are rats. The only time you'll hear me say fuck the green and white is because rovers are shite. Pat from Inchy Car, yeah, we're gonna score, send you back to D24. Of course I meant it. Welcome to Tales and Easton, episode 239, and it's me, Gary P. It's Carlos the Prof, Carl Riley. Surrounded by books, as usual, Gary, but yeah. uh, this time, it may not look good, but this is actually organised chaos. I'm working on something here. Prof is going to get his structure going here, so it's already slightly alphabetical, but you need another bookcase. Maybe two. Possibly, but uh, there's, a lot of books. there's a lot of rubbish in the two bottom shelves. So there's potential there. Yeah, there's all paper cuttings and everything. It's uh, yeah, it's all sorts going on here. You could hide a body in here, you could say. But by next week, uh, this could be all off the floor. This could be cleaned, which is a major development in the lair. If that's the case, I'll, I'll definitely bite a couple of points because I doubt that. Hi, <laughs> if you're in the room, I'm uh, like, there's not much room to breathe here. You know what I mean? Well, prepare to be surprised, Gar. Next week is happening. Yeah, of course, sponsored by Ocean Electrical and Leinster Credit, our fantastic sponsors for life. Uh, check them out, Google, check them out. So this week we have our Inchicore recap with another away win. Ed Saul fills us in on the Robbie Keane Academy Cup taking place this weekend. Some unbelievable teams in this, prof. Very, very interesting. And there's questions from the East End with the two lads we'd never met before today, Simon Power and Conan Noonan. And the second instalment of In Memoriam, my dad, four sons and one daughter, with a very... Very special guest and prof. This was um, this was this was it's hard to describe. But it's it was stunning. Something you think you'd never ever ever I be involved felt, in. I actually felt a bit emotional afterwards. I was like, wow. very very I was good. Like, wow, knowledge of little things around the club as well, which was pretty cool. Hmm. So definitely stay up to date. Well, listen, we'll talk about. It. We'll well, if you, you if you read the description of the show, you obviously know what it is already, but. Uh, yeah, you can tune in at the end. It'll be right at the end of the show, that one. Uh, McDara, enjoyed the Frank Hopkins interview, even though he spoke about Dara McFerris. So, alternative <laughs> world version of McDara Ferris, Dara McFerris. So, in the past week, we had Dara McFerris <clears throat> and we had Thomas Thorny. Thomas Thorny, yeah. yeah. So, McDara suggests we have John Dorney on uh, as a Rovers author. So uh, I'll definitely keep John in mind as one of the next ones. Um, there was feedback from Carl Kearns from last week's show. He said, uh, <laughs> well, the fellows and got the games. Five minutes in, and I've heard about the Monk, Ocean Electrical installing kitchens, walking tours of Dublin, and a Nestle versus Cadbury debate. We do it Nothing all. remotely football-related. Excellent. We do it all, Prof. We do it all. Um, 
the I was I, do you know do you know what I got stung with just before I came here I was doing it was at a ceremony for my dancing awards right so sitting there and it's like this is great yeah and they're like now the parents get up and I was like no with no warning way. And Maya didn't even, and the look on their on the kids' faces, they were like, "This is brilliant! This is brilliant!" So he put on fucking Macarena. He put on <laughs> what's the other one? Hey, Macarena. There's another one. Either right. way, one of the fucking obvious ones. And everybody's up doing it. I sat down. And Maya sat down beside me. Afterwards, she goes, "You have two right feet." <laughs> Burn. <laughs> I was like, you, "You got it wrong, but you're getting there." Of two rify, <laughs> so yeah, up dancing in front of load of now. In fairness, I had a couple of points on me. I'd have been rocking the floor, but you know that kind of awkward look, and you're like, <laughs> dance next to some stranger you never met before. You're just like, yeah. It's... I think you're actually describing possibly my worst nightmare. <laughs> you you would <laughs> die. Not only that, in front of kids as well. Ah, oh, they thought it was hilarious. They thought it was brilliant. <laughs> so of two rify, um, old old man Kim Martin, right? Can I? I didn't change his name to Old Man Camarton on my phone. Uh, I did. Did you do that? Yeah. I I've been trying to... I thought this was like my phone was infiltrated. That happened to me as well because it's the... Did you do it from my phone or from your no, phone? No, the Tifty's Gmail is linking our two phones. I, I, I was going down the rabbit hole there for a while. Yeah. Right, okay. Because sometimes I have like... Uh, like, I don't Barney or something would be in the phone twice... It's the same person, it's the same number, but it's in there twice because yeah. Gmail has just decided, oh, you want all Gary's contacts, do you? Yeah, you get go. in there. So, okay, old man, come on. Gas, lads. Ian, Tracy, just so we're clearing it up, I don't call you old man, come on, Pat. It's prof, prof, prof's name. No, it was Abby, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Old man, come on. So, gas, lads. Ian Tracy is my neighbour. His youngest lad is about seven or eight, and him and his little pals have taken over the fence outside his mate's gaff, and they were just there now waving two rover flags like they're on a terrace. Waving the flags and roaring Bowles Doyle's Corner song. So, uh, fast becoming a little hotbed is Raquel, Prof. <laughs> when I, funny enough, when I first read this, I just saw the word fence, and maybe just my imagination ran away at me. I, I assumed they were pretending to be in Daily Mount. That's what I was thinking. With the fence. They were just wrecking fences. Let's <laughs> yeah. go around wrecking around the fences. Um, League of Ireland and Dublin Fire Department to launch a campaign against the use of pyrotechnics starting this Thursday morning. Um, it's <coughs> a weird one, isn't it, Prof? Who are we gonna send to that? Um, a representative, <laughs> an old just representative. It's uh, so it's they're asking people from the media or from the club. Is it volunteers they're looking for, or they're looking for? What are they looking for here? Well, yeah, they're looking for the media to attend. Uh, maybe officials of each club, but um, I at the start of the season, I was getting the impression that the FEI were being not lax towards pyro. Because they have to have a certain stance for for the rules and all that. But I just got the impression that the punishments wouldn't be large as long as like you were seen to be not in support of it. Right. But this just came out of nowhere, I thought. Maybe they've been prepping it for a while and they've been getting mm. the class ready. And I know that uh, some of our volunteers and match day officials have been told, just don't touch it. Just let it burn out. Mm. So, it's, well, we'll talk about that in the past game, yeah. But what we'll say is that didn't start for a few minutes. Yeah, you're in. You're in the stand, and this pyro going off. Some of them are, some of them are fucking treacherous lately. Like normally the old sturdy ones, big flare on them, really good, easy to handle. Mm. These are small. There's 
sparks flying everywhere there's hot like molten stuff that ruins your jacket they're popping and they're spitting like it's it seems like they're shoddy you know what i mean yeah on a slightly related note did you see that from the weekend um in the netherlands games are getting abandoned if objects are thrown at players or officials yeah i found this very very strict i'm fascinated by it's a uh, it was a beer half a beer came down and he called the game off so then the game gets played behind closed doors the remaining minutes remaining minutes and then are played. They're, they get a, like a, a ban for a game because I saw someone saying what if one team is 7 nil up <laughs> but like yeah. continue 7 nil up behind closed doors the, the match continues yeah. but realistically that is one way of stopping it there's no way they're going to continue to keep throwing stuff on the pitch when games are getting abandoned there's far too many people who, who would have a problem with that and whoever did it if they were caught they'd probably just be picked out well, yeah, I think if you saw the if you saw the full clip, you see him being brought away by security, and look at the look of disgust on all the fans' faces. It's like the it's like the shame, shame. Like, yeah, game of Thrones. Like, imagine mid game, two 0 up, let's say against Ball, someone scores like scores something on the pitch, and the game gets called off. Imagine how annoying mid game, and then they finish it behind closed doors, and then somewhere. you know who that was. No, I and think then it's you po- hate him. It's very very strict, but it might work. I think it might work. Jack Bourneprof dominate the news in the days leading up to the Pats game. Rovers rejected three bids from Charlotte FC in the MLS and news of this leaked through. Uh, possibly the the tightest kept transfer, potential transfer in a long time. Normally you'd hear rumbles about it but we only heard about it maybe a, day, a couple of days before the Pats game and it was pretty much concrete. Normally you'd hear little rumours left and right Mm. nothing and and David all Slade, of a sudden they, they, who, uh, they yeah they two bids reported, yeah. Yeah. aka Nutsy Fenlon <laughs> um, well, uh, someone suggested me could there be an agenda there from Snaden because he's, he's a Pats fan and we were just about to play Pats and I was I was told that one or, one or two things in his most recent article about the details of the potential transfer weren't correct. Oh. And then... In a malicious manner, you could say? I don't maybe? know if it's malicious or not, but they just weren't correct. And then you have John Fallon in The Examiner. And there's a picture of Jack... Um, I can't remember what the picture was. I actually didn't see it. just as it described to me. But the caption underneath it was, Jack cuts a dejected figure. And in the whole article, he's talking about how much he loves the club and playing for the Rovers. And the caption was, cuts a dejected figure. Yeah, you know how I feel about that newspapers, is, prof. That is horrific journalism. Yeah, you know how I feel about that type of bullshit. Um, yeah, yeah so, so let's talk Scary, about scary times in the life of a Shamrock Rovers fan, considering that. Yeah, so um, Jack potentially leaving. When you weigh it up, the valuation has to be right first of all we have to put a foot down we've been saying we're going to put a foot down for a long time now as regards to transfer fees and I still don't think we got enough for Andy Lyons um, but I think when it comes to this uh, f- full international uh, how good he is we'd probably be bottom two or three if it wasn't for Jack this year let's be honest he's been so good yeah I still don't think we got enough for Lions and I think that we need to start setting an example more than anything as regards to transfer fees in the League of Ireland because <coughs> uh, teams walk all over us generally and I think you get one big fee like that is what we were holding out for because ultimately you can't stand in a player's way if they want to go it's a great <coughs> opportunity 
big money, possibly to change their life. And let's be honest, I've been championing the MLS for a while in the show. Whenever mm-hmm. it came up, it's a good league. I think Charlotte get 34,000 a game. I always Possibly. felt that Jack was gonna go there eventually yeah. and thrive there. Like he had, he had the opportunity before to go to the same club, and he chose Cyprus. But I think they were a level below at the time. I think this fellow was the assistant manager now. He's the manager. But uh, yeah, reportedly this was gonna treble his wages. It was uh, a four-year contract, and just the fact that we've turned down uh, reportedly four hundred twenty-five thousand euro offer for a player with six months left in his contract shows how strong position the club is in yeah plus i mean it it shows it it still remains to be seen that if we can get him to commit for even another year or two Hmm. which could be the case so maybe they'll agree to a year and a (coughs) half deal and then it'll see him out into the summer and he can he can kind of do it whatever he wants if he did sign a contract i imagine there would be a clause inserted but million quid it was minimal it was it was a worrying couple of days, absolutely. As you just you said there that we'd be in the bottom three. It's possible. I mean, he got uh, dragged us back into the Chelsea game, the Cork game. He's been excellent. He's been excellent so far. Yeah, but it was it was a mad couple of days. It was kind of similar to the Brazil Lincoln one because uh, that was kind of I think that began on a Tuesday and ended on a Thursday night. Yeah. But that one, we actually recorded a show in the middle of that madness, as you recall. It nearly ruined Rob Lavelle's wedding. <laughs> Honestly. But this one, this one, like, uh, Monday morning, I quizzed Jack. Tuesday, he was going to America. We recorded our show before that, and then by Thursday night, he was staying. So it was know, yeah. a roller coaster for you guys. Hectic days. few hours, yeah. Um, you're saying, like, we don't stand in players' way. I think Brazzer has... I think that's always part of the conversation with Brazzer. You mentioned Andy Lyons, uh, Mandroyu, Scales... I think when he sits down with these players, he's he's already talking about do well here, win trophies yeah. with us, and you can possibly get him a big move in a year or two. And there's been a pattern of that. It also has to be right for the club and the player. And I'm not sure if maybe the player and the agent were happy, but whoever negotiated as on behalf of the club, it sounds like they did a good job because Jack's still happy. He said he mm. he made a statement afterwards. He said, "Listen, the options are open. It's." We'll see what happens next year, but I don't. I doubt. I think initially a lot of people were saying he down tools, and you think he went down injured in in Richmond Park, and I was thinking to myself, oh no, is he going to start throwing the toys out of the prom? Some worries about his attitude. I wasn't that fearful, to be honest. I think he loves football too much, possibly to kind of do that type of thing. You know, I think he's too much of a, a football connoisseur of a player to. And he's a pro, and he loves the club, and he's come back here twice, and yeah. we've revitalized him. Um, he's t- he was 26 when the bid came in he just turned 27 I think uh, yesterday was it yep. and the transfer window closes uh, closed last night and then there's going to be another transfer window uh, what was the date again was it August or September or something probably shouldn't announce that <laughs> yeah but you can see them coming back for sure uh, especially if Jack keeps playing this well uh, no doubt they'll be back yeah you, you talk about them as a club there they're second bottom, but you know a lot of teams in that division have chance of a playoffs. It's kind of like the first division where you have to have an awful season not to make the playoff. Yeah, um, there is risk for him. Like uh, could the manager get sacked, which has happened to Lions, happened to Jack and Cyprus. I think that might be what they sat down and and 
talked about and said, okay, well, what are the options mm. here? What could possibly happen? What are the pros? What are the cons? What can we discuss? So I'd say they looked at it and said, right, he's sick from bottom. How are they playing? They're shy. Let's say they are shy. They're terrible. Is it possible he could get sacked? Yes, in the next six months, very much so. And the new manager comes in, and he's back square one again. Mm. So I think they probably weighed everything up, went through every little avenue and decided the move for Jack is not right at the time. I'm happy. I'm a happy man for well, I still stand by what I said. I think he will go to the MLS eventually and I think he will do very well there. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't, was, I wouldn't say no to that, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a panicky couple of days. Um, some people were hoping his ma would stop him leaving. Uh, that the, the Sunday roast would be too big a, a deal breaker. Uh, Dylan Watts player of the year odds got slashed. Well, it looked like he was about to leave, Gar. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been. It would have came out of nowhere, though, wouldn't it? Because we lost McInef in February. Uh, we would have could have lost Jack in April. So it would have. It would have felt like a real kick in the teeth out of nowhere. I oh, know. So the question is, will he sign a new deal for twenty twenty four, or is this now a six month swan song? Probably the latter. But if know, he spurs us to another league and another group stage, shake his hand, wish him well. Yeah, I have no issue with it. I mean. Um, what what can you say to the guy? He's been fantastic for us. He's, gonna, he's still our player at the minute, though. So I'm not ruling out him signing mm. another contract. But um, did the language annoy you initially in the first day or two? Because six figure fees. Yeah, that's supposed to be like that could be anywhere from a hundred grand to nine hundred ninety nine thousand. Yeah. It's very misleading. Yeah, um, it's not something that I'm I'm interested in really. It was described not, as derisory offer. The Rosary, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, proper move on from this uh, blip in the schedule. You could say, and we have a um, commemoration. We have your RIP to young Sean Bourne, a regular Atala, and many away buses. He travelled on our bus once or twice before, so want to uh, say rest in peace to Sean and all his family. There's actually a GoFundMe that started to uh, pay for funeral costs, so definitely check out that page on Facebook yeah. and uh, donate for, for uh, young Sean Bourne. Yes, yeah, so Prof, we have um, Ed Saul. He's not singing songs. He's playing in the Crumlin Cup. It's a prestigious cup that we talked about earlier on. Clubs from all over Europe. So Ed's going to say a little bit about that. Here's Ed. Carl, Gary, and the podcast, thanks very much for having me on um, to promote our tournament that's taking place this weekend, Bank Holiday Weekend. The Robbie Keane Academy Cup, it's on the 28th. Um, to the 30th of April, so Friday is kickoff, and um, the reason I want to promote it on the podcast is because it could interest a lot of Rovers fans because Shamrock Rovers are playing in the tournament, uh, a really, really strong Shamrock Rovers team, this under 12 team, and I think it'd be great for any Rovers fan who has an interest in the academy and the development of players, how they're doing in Rovers. Well, this is the perfect opportunity to see how they're getting on against top-class opposition from the UK and Europe. So the groups are as follows. In uh, Group A, you have Crumlin United, uh, Benfica, Everton and Wolves. Wolverhampton Wanderers, of course. And in Group B, you have our partner club, Shamrock Rovers, Burnley, Aston Villa and Celtic. So it all kicks off on Friday and the first game on Friday at 4 p.m., is Crumlin United versus Benfica. Um, Shamrock Rovers then play straight after Crumlin, which at five o'clock you have Shamrock Rovers versus Burnley. 
So if anybody is going to Tallis Stadium on Friday for the game against Sligo, fancies a little stop off in Pierce Park in Crumlin on Friday to watch Rovers and Burnley, um, well, there's the option for you. Everton and Wolves play at 6 and then at 7 o'clock it's Aston Villa and Celtic. Uh, that's the opening uh, the night of fixtures. Each team, each eight teams gets to play once on the Friday and then on the Saturday when the real kind of stuff gets really busy, it kicks off at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, Crumlin versus Everton, Benfica versus Wolves and look at that one at 12 o'clock, Shamrock Rovers versus Aston Villa. Um, really big game, Burnley versus Celtic at one o'clock. Into the afternoon slot, um, uh, you have Crumlin versus Wolves at three o'clock, Benfica versus Everton at four o'clock, and the big one, which might appeal to a lot of Hoops fans, oh, this would be a great game to watch, five o'clock, Shamrock Rovers versus Celtic. And the evening finishes off with Burnley versus Aston Villa. Um, Sunday is finals day, so basically, you know, we'll start from 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, the final will be at 1 o'clock. So whoever finishes top in each group will play um, each other. So first in group A plays first in group B, second in group A plays second in group B, etc., etc. And you work your way down that order. So it's an unbelievable tournament. It's the best in the country for the under 12 age group. We've been running for a number of years now, and it's just got bigger and bigger. Obviously, you know, we lost two years with COVID, so it's fantastic to have it back. Um, tickets are available on Eventbrite, stroke Crumlin United, or on Crumlin, any, any social media page on Crumlin. You can buy tickets. It, it ranges from, like, €3 Euro for kids for a whole session. Now, when I say a whole session, I mean, like, four games. Um or adults, which is €7. Euro. And again, you can buy a match package where if you want to go to all the games Friday, um, if you just want to go to some games on Saturday, you can't do the afternoon slot. If you want to go to both, or if you want a weekend pass, there's options there for everybody on the ticket side of things. Again, it's it's very reasonable priced, and you're guaranteed to see some of the best um, underage action Um here in Dublin on the on the bank holiday weekend. It takes an awful lot of work to, to run this tournament. We need an awful lot of sponsors. Um, the groundwork has started since last year for this tournament. Um, last year we had the winners, the eventual winners were Manchester City. They beat um, Aston Villa in the final. And um, we had Juventus over last year, but it's so hard um, to run this competition. It takes an awful lot of organization an awful lot of money but you know it is worth it when we see the talent that uh, comes through pierce park for the tournament so yeah i know i'm here to promote it but you know i do understand that you know with rovers in it people might be interested and of course celtic are in it as well and of course crumlin united don't forget us we uh we put our lads into the tournament and they get some unbelievable memories and fantastic experiences and you know, we've got some great links out with this tournament with, with, with some clubs. You know, I brought the 2013 group recently over to play Man City uh, at, at, in January there. And lads, you want to see this uh, training facility. The only way I could explain is it's like landing in an airport full of football facilities. Their, uh, their stadium alone holds, uh, their, their academy stadium alone holds 7,000 people. It's out of this world. And, you know, just to, even for our boys to go over and play them, 
was oh, outstanding. Our under-16s recently went to play Everton. Our under-17s recently went to play Bournemouth. So we do get some fantastic links uh, with this tournament and some, some really good invites. And obviously, we're a partner club now, Shamrock Rovers. It's brilliant for me, obviously, being a big Rovers fan and being involved at Director of Coaching at Crumlin that I get the best of both worlds. So it's really, really positive. And I hope as many people can come down and watch the talent. As I said tickets are very, very reasonably, reasonably priced. And I just hope the weather stays decent. And there's there'll be plenty of activities for the kids there on the day. There'll be, you know, food facilities and whatever else comes along with that. So yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Hopefully we'll see as many people down there at the weekend in Crumlin. Thanks for having me on, lads. A pleasure as always. Keep up the good work and keep on hooping. Yeah, so uh, that was it. And um, this has gone on a while now. So I think it's €3 Euro for, for a day to watch a game and then 7 for the whole weekend. It's brilliant. That's a bargain. It's uh, deadly. Some cracking figures in there, yeah. And we want a roll call from Ed about former players. That's what I want. So it's no Thomastown, Prof. It's no Thomastown where they are now, but we want to see who else has yeah. played at the Crumlin Cup. I saw Tohi, he was delighted. Oh, yeah. I did the Thomastown. Yeah. That was six years in the making. Uh, easily pleased, that man. So we beat Pats 2-0, Prof, at Richmond Park on Friday. Great occasion. Lovely night out and uh, plenty of pints. Me and the Prof met in the Patriots. Pre Pats pints. Pre Pats pints. And, uh, I met the famous Turner's uncle there. Turner's uncle. How often have we heard about this man? Who confirmed that Turner started following 2010. So yeah, <laughs> you've been you've been ousted. Now, um, Does he get eight or ten the quizzes as well? Yeah. So we had pre patch points in the Patriot. I wasn't I wasn't mad about the Guinness. I think someone said the Guinness was amazing there before. It was all right. Nice point, like it. I thought it was. I wouldn't be. It was fine. I wouldn't yeah. be saying oh. You know, uh, nice. just, just the five DMs on Instagram for looking for spares gear. I actually counted them. I think everybody got looked after. I no, think. I didn't check Facebook, but I just counted Instagram. So, thank you, everybody. That is a reduced figure mm-hmm. on Daily Mail. We're working on it, but genuine people got genuinely sorted as well. So, happy with that. Uh, and great to see us actually looking for tickets when we get 1,200 tickets here and people still scampering. You were highlighting that. Yeah, you were like, we've got a 1,100 allocation more and. There's still a scramble for tickets. Yeah. That is incredible. Mayhem. Uh, my intra car stats were still making you nervous. Uh, you needn't be, as it turned out. Oh, I don't know why. Like, it just it didn't sit well with me. And I always think, when I think of intra car, I just think, mm, tough place to go. But then you hit me with the six. And you notice I've stopped doing that. Every time the stats are positive going into a game, I don't read them out. But this time I did. Yeah, yeah. You had a hunch. Yeah. Garrett thought. Uh, Pat laughing from Father Ted walked in. It fucking was him. Uh, I informed Garrett that he in fact died four years ago. <laughs> yeah, so he what was his name? He was Pat Mustard, the snapper. Pat Mustard and Father Ted, Georgie Borges, and I think what what was his famous line of Father? Now to ride, Mrs. O'Reilly. <laughs> well, he was. Um, he, he walked in, had a dog with him, and I was like, "That's Georgie Borges." He's after walking in, and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, right, lovely. Put it in the group. I was like, seriously, he's after walking in. And Pop was like, okay. So Google him. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I was like, no. I saw him leave from the other side. At that point, I had a picture up my phone. I looked at the two. I was like, that looks nothing like. Oh him. no! I was gonna, say, I was gonna go up to him and go, oh, Sharon. And he was looking at me, going, what? What? My name's not Sharon. Uh, yeah. So Owen Doyle, prof. 
Oh, I'm dying on Twitter. At Jack B, do you still fancy that lift to the airport in the morning? Oh, he got uh, roasted later that night, didn't he, yeah, for this tweet? Didn't age well. Age like milk, as they say, prof. And the team news with Gaffney injured. Three weeks we're here, and hopefully he can uh, get it out of his system. And um, it's not good having Gaff injured. He, he gives us so much more, but we uh, we ended up coming out persevering in the, in the end. But with the kickoff delay by Flares, prof. Bunch yeah. of 70s hippies on the on the pitch just dancing around. Players have to pass the ball around for a few <coughs> minutes to stay to stay warm and active. Um, where did the players come from? I, I actually wasn't kind of paying attention at this point. Ah, it was a pat's end, yeah. Pat's end, yeah. Yep. So, so, start of the game, Prof. Um, very happy with the start. I think we were, we were up for it. There wasn't too much going on, but um, they were decimated at the back. I felt like your man Noah Lewis was... Like he's big, he's big lump, but he was easily played around. I thought that we did really well to play around him. And he was their weak point. And then 20 minutes in, we had uh, a lovely little ball, true ball. And Kenny takes a first time. And now initially when he went, when he got put through. It was great with this pass now. Great ah, pass. What a, what a ball. Unbelievable pinger. This is a ping. We go for a ping. Do you notice the commentator <clears throat> described the goal as a ping? He was like... You could almost say he pinged it in. Nah, like you no, you couldn't. You can't ping a goal. You couldn't say that he almost pinged it in goal. No, <laughs> you can't ping a goal. Impossible. So I described it as a great striker's goal. I, I like that description. Yeah, no, it was. It was a great strike, and uh, I'm surprised he actually took it on. And lovely finish at the near post. Possible uh, a keeper, possible, but great finish and good to see us get out the mark in Richmond early days, prof. Vindication for Mrs. Kenny, aka Thomas Tarney. Jesus, he was championing Kenny all week, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, uh, you, Kenny you, you gave it the ears celebration. Oh, the old ears. Hmm. You forget. You forget though he's 19. Like, even last week, we were talking about what are options off the bench. You were talking about we used to have uh, kind of teenage strikers. Funny that you mentioned that. I wasn't even thinking about Kenny, because I, I keep no. thinking of him as an older striker, like 22. That's the point I made. Tommy Tommy said this to me. He texts me and he goes, and you keep making the point about a young teenage striker. He says, Kenny is that guy. And I was like, I didn't see him as the up-and-coming striker. I saw him as the mm. kind of accomplished young striker who played well for Sligo and then went to Celtic. Whereas I wouldn't put him in the bracket with Oidemo and Dean Williams back then. Do you know what I mean? No. I mean he scored but twelve goals he probably in the League of Ireland season. He probably is. Two years goal. ago. Yeah. But he yeah. probably is in that bracket. So we've been probably been proven wrong there. Uh at one stage, I can't remember if this was after the first or second goal. It was probably the second half, but uh the usual stand up for the champions went around the the ground, the shed and the stand. And then when it came around to the stand, uh one fella goes uh, it was like sit down we're in the par seats <laughs> yeah. sit down for the champion I think I lasted three minutes sitting down yeah I knew you weren't going to last there you're you're a you're a busy one I'm a st- <laughs> you just I'm a stander and a shouter and a you work your way down to the front of every match you're, you're at not, f- not the front all the time I just like a good vantage point and I like the players to be able to hear me give them encouragement <laughs> You like to swing out the pole. Like swing out the pole. Fucking pole was in my way a few times actually. Sure enough, a photograph of the the first goal and you're in it. You just you can't help yourself. Uh, actually, I'm never in photographs. Let's be <laughs> honest. So I'm in that one. That, that was going around. Jaden was sending it to me. He's like, oh, you. He was in Glasgow. Um, but yeah, no, uh, really happy with that first half. 
and uh, Lee Grace absolutely brilliant again playing out of his skin just a good good performance Ferrugia again taking players on really Great. good yeah Grace probably the stand now for me but it was all round I mean the, everyone on the team played well it was no, it good was, performance it was so we went into the into the dressing rooms happy with a one day away and claps and happiness all around so um, second half prof came out and so yeah, is this a miss or is it a good save? Combination well, of we've, both. We've maybe. two chances to talk about here. Two can you chances? The one, no, the one that got caught in his feet. We'll talk about was second. We'll talk about the yeah, header. Yeah, the first one, the header. Um, so it was a lovely, it looked, a lovely little cheeky ball in from Jack. Well, that's, very, very cheeky. Well, go back a bit actually further. It was a mesmerising run by Ferrugia. Yeah. Ferrugia did brilliantly. God, he's fucking brilliant. Lady, Into Jack Byrne, and this is another accomplishment for him as well on Richmond small pitch. Actually, caused yes, a bit of damage. Good point. Because it's something that we struggle to do in these toilet pitches is get Ferrugia involved, and he was excellent again. Remember the likes of Simon Madden, who's uh, going to be a guest in the podcast soon. Um, I'm trying to think now. Did Madden kind of struggle? He, he was no, more, he do all the great work, and then he just couldn't cross the well, ball. Well, in general, yeah. But I'm talking about he definitely preferred the, the space in Tadda. Absolutely, to, to yeah, Richmond. because he could just run into it. Yeah, and he was excellent. He was a good dribbler. But yeah, so great work from Ferrugia into Burn. Burns cross. I think the keeper kind of tries to punch it, and then falls to. It's like a fumble. It's like yeah. a little pops up, and then for initially I was thinking Kenny did the right thing, headed into the ground, trying to get it popped up over the keeper, but there wasn't much power on it at all. And the, the first angle I saw it looked awful, and then I saw another angle and I thought, oh, hang on, keeper actually does very well. He here. does do he does well. It's a good save, but he still should score. He should absolutely. Hockey that ball over into the back of the net with there's no power on it. That's purely where the keeper got it. He couldn't generate enough power. Yeah, but I listen, mean, it's he obviously had, he didn't mean this. He heads know? it either side of the keeper. Yeah, and uh, it's a goal. But I, is the second one worse though? Because he gets the ball gets stuck in his feet and he kind of snaps it on his left foot. Oh, I think the second. I think he's possibly lucky to even get that chance and let it materialize for himself because it gets like you said, it gets stuck and it's more of a snap. Short swing a leg at it. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's harsh, probably saying it, but I think he should have scored the header. Maybe not so much that other chance, but um, starting the motor now at this stage, we had Gary O'Neill brilliant in the middle again. It just shows you how good he can be. That presence in the middle of the park, it's just class. Love having Gary O'Neill back in the team. But then we have a pat spell, don't we, for maybe. 15 minutes or so I'd never still I'd, thinking of I, no real chances. Mulraney had a good strike on his left, and it kind of. Manus kind of telegraphed it and it thought he was going to tip it over the bar but he kind of put it out for a corner. That was the only notable yeah. save. But yeah, no, I never felt in great danger. But Pats were on top for a little bit. So this goal was kind of a double whammy because it was a great goal and it kind of fell out of nowhere. So I love those kind of yeah, goals. It was, it was good. And I just thought we're getting pinned back a little bit here. But I was never totally, totally troubled by the game itself. I just thought, okay, we can mm. probably... We're going to hold on here and we're going to nick one. But this, no, I feel comfortable, yeah. This defending is possibly some of the worst defending I've ever seen. So ball just pops up to Clark, takes a touch, player to his left, takes another touch, player to his right, takes another touch, player slightly to the right again. So three players in and around him. I think he got four touches before he got shot off. I think someone counts it. Five. And then he buries it into the top Ken, corner. Kenny takes one touch for his goal. Clark <clears throat> takes five for his. How had they, How did they not put him in the Kamak? Like a... 
I really don't know how they didn't do it. It's terrible, terrible defending. Nobody taking that situation yeah. by the bollocks. It's a great. It's, an, it's a super strike, though. It's a lovely solid run, but yeah, the defending is comical, and what a hit that is! Like it's one of those where it gets better every time you watch it. Uh, it's uh, unbelievable, and I went in and I just we had a superb view of it from behind. So yeah. excellent stuff. Really a rasper happy. and a rocket. A rasper the and two a goals. rocket. I love the description. I think it was Owen Cowes are saying the ball is still rising as it hits the top yeah, of the net. It literally hit the very, very top corner. It was a super, super goal. And so, um, I will say, I felt we were slightly exposed as well at times with Trev going forward. There was a couple of times when the balls were popped out wide. I think it was Curtis got a hold of it, and I was looking around. I was like, "Is the is the is there free or everything's gone quiet?" And he has far too much space for this to be open play. Because it's blatantly obvious that there should be a player there, but it was Clark who was up, so I don't think he's fit totally. Mm. He ended up getting the hook. But um, no, I've gotten that impression for quite a while now that he's he's not fully fit. Um, hopefully, hopefully that will be the case soon. But um, fans in fine voice then. Yep. A uh, two nil. Um, I was hoping for a third goal because I I knew I didn't have the stat to hand, but I was I was like, we haven't scored three here in ages, Ooh. and it was it was the three one two thousand ten. So last time we scored three goals at Richmond Park. Three one with Turner, uh, Billy Denny, Denny, yeah. Cracker on his left foot. Yeah, um, we've only done it twice <clears throat> against Pats at Richmond Park since two thousand four, and that was actually a home game against Pats. Oh, so yeah. it would have been rare. Yes, so, overall we spoke about performances. Very happy with uh, everything as a whole. No, yeah. no issues. Everybody getting good minutes under the belts. Uh, Jack, brilliant again. Didn't let it affect him. And Roger spoke about Jack's mentality and his maturity because, the, well, well, let's be honest, it was a very distracting week. It must have been a very distracting week for uh, for Jack and for He's Brad literally waiting on the phone call team. to say, pack your bags, you're going to live in America. At a moment's notice. Like it's that. the same for Brazzer. Mm. Brazzer was one night away from, from going to Lincoln and now changing I, his whole not, life. I'm not sure if they're kind of comparable. You know, it's like, right, you're going to Charlotte, North Carolina, <laughs> or going to Lincoln. North Carolina I think there's the the Bobcats you've got the NBA franchise the Charlotte Hornets is the Hornets they've got like a it's a it's a pretty cool city so hmm. um, tough to turn down but we still have Rattovers player prof and post match notes what have you got prof post match notes well just on performances uh, loving uh, Graham Burke this season um, absolutely loving him loving uh, what I'm loving most the consistency yeah Aaron Green finally made his 200th appearance for the club in all competitions. Yeah, not just league. No. It was so congratulations to Greener. Great show. Great uh, great uh, achievement, really, for anybody, isn't fantastic it? Fantastic milestone. Yeah. Probably went under the radar on the night because of uh, the two goals by Kenny and Clark. But um, that, that's a brilliant milestone. And he's been sitting at 199 for so long, it was annoying me. Uh, I think we spoke about this before, but every time Greener comes out to warm up, it's the same guy. Shouts Greener <laughs> No, never Have you this. never heard this? Never heard it's this. every game, Gareth. Home and away. <laughs> it's the same actually I've never met the guy. But it's every single time. Identify yourself. Um Don't start calls him bomber. Um he, he told me the reason, I can't remember what it was now, but him and a few people called Greener Bomber. Um he did call Conan Noonan uh Super Cole, which I'm not happy. That's no. that's that's a bit odd. <laughs> Um, but Dunstow did make a great point uh, I was talking to him at the women's match as well afterwards 
and he was saying that every time people start to talk up a team, we go and beat them. Every time people start to yeah, talk we up us, them up, yeah. every time people start to talk up us, we, we, we don't win. So don't talk so, us up. That's more of the story. Yeah. So what's going? Um, and stop by Maloney. 11 league games, eight, uh, 12 different goal scorers. So yeah. we're getting goals from all over the pitch. Story of Bradford's kind of rain as well. In the latter parts of it, we've always done that. We've oh, it's been the case. Yeah, it has been, yeah. So post-match notes. Maloney wants my... He wanted my Kenny Cunningham impression post-match. Yeah, he quite, he quite liked that. Uh, then we have Carl Sealger. Carl Seal, Dublin. Uh, inner City, Dublin, green and white. So uh, the inner city was green and white. The Liberties is green and white, prof. And the Clark goal, we talked about the Clark goal, absolute cracker. Watching yeah, it back, it it's just a rocket. Everyone was replaying it, weren't they? And um, Hennessy is still an absolute bumbling idiot. He's <sighs> poor, prof. He is a poor ref. After watching Harvey, wasn't it Harvey at the Bulls game? Yeah. After watching Harvey let the, the game flow so well, here we are, right back to square one. Where every contact is a foul. It was hell, wasn't it? Every foul is a yellow. It was very, very So boring. frustrating. And we were getting booked for tackles similar to past players. And, and they weren't getting the bookings for the... Yeah, for and if you look at our list now, this is according to Soccer Bay now. Um, I don't keep yellow cards, that's myself. But according to Soccer Bay, Grace, Cleary, Friuja, Burke, all on four yellow cards. So oh, shit. One away from suspension. I'm not surprised at all, to be honest. They've been racking them up. Yeah, um, just on the Clark goal, was, like people watching the replay of that and the Kenny goals. Um, I loved how Kenny celebrated with subs, and look how much Finner was loving that Kenny goal. Uh, oh, we forgot to mention Finner came on. Uh, first appearance of the season. First appearance of the season. We yeah. all, we almost forgot the the skip. Skip is back. And Clark celebration runs straight to the dugout. There's usually just like some little stories. Do you know when a player runs to the dugout to, to maybe hug like one of the staff or something? Yeah, there's the usually, reason behind usually it, yeah. a little story there behind that, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, something about winning at Rishon Park is always really, really satisfying. Not as much as Danny Mount, obviously, but I think it goes back to when we were awful under Crawley and Fenlon and we would never win here. Awful is not the fucking word. And now we have a absolutely superb record. Uh, Graham interviewed Trevor afterwards. No cousin. This time, thankfully, uh, Trevor kept it clean. Uh, I mentioned your your photograph, Gary, your celebration. I got snared, yeah, it was a good one, though. But as good as that was, the best photograph was the one of Deco emerging oh from God, the green yeah. fog. The mist, the blob. He was like Slimer coming out. It was so good, I just assumed it was fake. And then I kept looking at it, I was like, that <clears> photo <throat> is unbelievable, it can't be real. Yeah, absolutely class. <laughs> The mist. Um, yeah, yeah, we both walked home from this game, Gar. But uh, <coughs> a distinct God. difference because for me, uh, me and Joe's. You had a lovely leisurely walk. Me and Joe's live in Crumlin, so we walked home to Crumlin. Uh, where do you live again, Gar? I live in Logan. I'll tell you what happened, right? So I went for a piss, 90 minute, and I said to myself, right, phone is dead, I can catch a bus, get out of here before, them, before they, they keep us in, right? So gone. Straight up, up with the Houston station road that leads to Luke, and then I, I'm standing there, and I don't normally get the bus in your car, right? So I'm thinking to myself, right, which way is the bus stop? Look left, look right, full of points. 
looking left and looking right. I'm like, right, can't see one. Best thing to do, logic. Pico quiz logic. Walk towards Lucan. Don't walk away, because the bus comes, you're not going to catch it. You, if it does and you see it, you can run towards the next bus stop. There was no bus stop. <laughs> Main fucking road. Our, our fucking dual carriageway fucking road. In all my fucking wisdom, full of stupid fucking stew. <coughs> Took me about an hour and a half to get anywhere near a bus, right? So, I'm, at this stage, I'm starving, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, right, there's a garage. So as I'm walking, I'm thinking, get it, go get Snickers, go get Snickers. You sound like you're lost in another country. Right? This is South Dublin. And I'm thinking, and I'm 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 going left, I'm going right. I'm like, okay, oh oh oh, right. oh, oh, go to the garage, right? So I go to the garage. Just about to pay for Snickers, corner me eye, see the C one, like no, running back out. I'm running <laughs> with the bus. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. God, I'm I'm banging. I'm like, oh, open, open, open. No, gone. End up getting the stupid C four. Left me. About another kilometre walk away. <sighs> you are a disaster. And then it turns out Lara was outside the ground. You forgot the whole point of this. Lara was outside the ground. In the Sorry, car waiting on me. the whole cause of this. Your phone was dead as usual. Yeah. So she was ringing me to say, make sure he's there so I can collect him. But I didn't know where you were because you had left early. And you know what made it worse? Prof tells her he's got in the pub. And well, she's like... Is that right? Is that right? So I'm, I get home. I'm like I'm after getting dragged through the safari, right? And I'm wrecked. And I'm like, you will not believe what happened. She goes, you were in the pub. I was outside. Why am I? I was like, what? And I was thinking, lovely, because I'm right now. Like I actually have something to go on. Like I wasn't in the pub. Oh man. I didn't mean to stick you in there. Uh, <laughs> well, I was, technically, no. I was in the pub that day earlier on. Because so, I was waiting uh, outside for you and someone said to me that you had gone to the pub. So, but, uh, I right. just thought to myself, right. Shouldn't have taken their word for it. And you know what the funny thing was? I thought to myself, I'll get home early. Because I'm up in the morning. I said, lovely, I'll get home early with a glass of wine. Oh, it's just mental. Mental. I am never using the initiative again. You, see, you make it sound like you're stranded in Sahara Desert. <laughs> so, drunken initiative does not work couple of quick stats we've won home win and three away wins this season which is quite odd uh, it's the first time that we've won away to Pats in the league in three successive seasons since the four in a row years whoa despite how Gee. good our, despite how good the record is because we won at Richmond in 2018 yeah. 19 21 22 and now it's been three this is the first time we've done three successive seasons since 1983 to 1987. This, they must feel how we fe- felt when Dundalk come to town back then when they yeah. were in bogey team, remember? And finally, that was Trevor Clark's first goal for Robbers since a two-all oh, draw. Oh, 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 let me guess. How old was he when he left? Someone asked me today, I said I 20. Was, I was going to put this in the quiz, actually, but I don't think anyone would have got it. I said 20 when he left. Was he 20? 20. 24 now, 25. Yeah, give or take I thought 19 for some reason I thought 19 his last goal 2 all draw um, go on 2 all draw home to Derry in June 2019 2019 Trevor Clark yeah so uh, overall a very very enjoyable night in sunny Inchcore lovely night for a game absolutely jammed full of good hoops in, fo- in good voice and yeah very very enjoyable night out at the at the football mm-hmm. um, Dublin was alive Dublin was alive inner city is green and white so other results anyway prof I'm still in the prediction league for all of you hoops out there who's with me who's with me talk to me 
I've got Fikra O'Brolacan <coughs> Fikra in it. Uh, Dirty Fingers Brian Cunningham is in it. He's second, prof. He's flying. Tommy Tarmy's in it. Neil Walsh is in it. Thomas Tarney. A couple of other hoops are in it. you got to pick the right results. You get a five points if you get the right result. If you get the score and the result, you get a lot more. So it's it's actually very, very interesting. You've pitched this to me a few times. It just sounds way too much. Like, I'm even deliberating whether or not to rejoin the last man standing. Just because I know it's just going to be torture for me. Honestly, big shout out to Joe who runs it. Joe does a newsletter every week. This is something you'd love. He does a whole full paragraph pinpoints movers and shakers someone might have gotten gone up like 10 point, ten spaces he'd be like oh Gary Parsons done well this week with a good haul of 46 or whatever <laughs> it's really really good he has monthly prizes as well so if you win the monthly prize you win a score it's actually brilliant it's a really really good competition and he sends you an email and it'll say here's your predictions here's my tips get yours in so you get the email you're like oh this takes me about a minute to do so you just throw it in and then you look out for the results <coughs> yeah so it's a fair play to Joe good Rovers fan as, as far as I know so the results Cork at home uh, they got beaten 3-1 by Derry good performance by Derry as well just another thing as well with the highlights on the FAI TV it's actually brilliant what was Whedon's goal like Um, which one is this the third goal oh, I actually can't remember I think I might have missed those highlights I, do you know what I was infatuated with the Shells highlights because they were 10 minutes long that is a brilliant game of football. I actually didn't I didn't get around to the the dirty one, but the Drada and Bowles one. Keeper having an absolute stinker at the end. Um McDade slotted in after two now. But these highlights are brilliant. They're five to ten minutes long. Each one. They're like they're really, really good. Really getting their finger out with this. Shells and Dundalk won. Mental game of football. Connor Cairns on fire. Matty Smith must be the most frustrating footballer I've ever seen in my life. I can't imagine how Shells fans feel. Now he scored a good goal against us. Had to slot at home. But he misses so many chances. He makes so many stupid decisions as a footballer. It's fucking terrible. But that was a great game of football. And then Sligo 3, UCD 1. I had Max Mata as my captain in the fancy football prof. Yeah, that's eight goals from Mata now. Fabrice Hartman getting one as well. And they have a fella called Barlow in the middle looking very good as well. It's going to be a tough game on Friday for us. So Mata's top scorer, Berkey and Forrester. I know. Joined yeah. second on Who looked very each. average against us, Prof. He was in the pocket of Gary O'Neill. Uh, apparently, they're calling Conor Kearns Mr. Clean Sheet now because he has five. Mr. Clean uh, Sheet. Bit of a media who as well. So I'm talking to <laughs> Tony O'Donoghue. Um, I just thought it was, I wouldn't say ominous is the right word. Just seeing Whedon on the score sheet was interesting. So I remember at the start of the season, I, I don't, don't know if I said it on the show, but I said it to a few people, I said. Whoever has the better season out of Kenny or Whedon will probably win the league. Now, when you, I'm, I'm going to watch the highlights back and see if, you know, if it, whatever way he played. But I don't know. It's still, I think it's a bridge too far at the minute. We'll see what happens anyway because it's a couple of big games coming up. But um, yeah, so that is the results there for the time being. Julian Kenny, prof, one of our features on the show before and three other Galway fans are pictured at Dublin Airport getting a flight to Kerry for their game so Kerry in the cup please I actually want to do this I want, I want to get a flight, flight to Kerry absolutely how much was it actually let us know I wonder, I wonder how much it is if it's 40 or 50 quid you're all over it I don't think it could be much more well Julian lives in Dublin I presume the other three were Dublin based as well yeah. they were in Dublin very Airport. cool very cool uh, preliminary design of the new 8k daily mount 
was released by the DCC and they dropped the library prof, the poets will not be happy. Every design of a League of Iron Ground ever has been the, the over-ambitious version. Remember the original one? The, remember the original Tala? Yeah. If you look at the original Tala in 1996 and then 1999, it doesn't look anything like it does now. No. So. Concrete Jungle, apparently, again, that came up again, but this is supposedly a bespoke stadium built specifically for Bohemians. Would you fuck off out with that, man? Mm. She hasn't got to end up in anyway, we know that. Perfect for a small to medium-sized club. Oh, man. You just can't resist, can he? Puts his foot in it. Every <laughs> chance he gets. Small to medium-sized clubs. Could you imagine the smell in the room of that meeting? <laughs> Could you imagine? All those small to medium hipster clubs, all in the same. All them chewing on oats and barley and using non-stick deodorant made in the back garden shed with their fucking ferrets fucking choke of essential sm- oils choke of smugness oh god yeah so that's the Daily Mail Park but it's literally torn like so the concourse and oh they've rotated the pitch yeah so the yeah. main stands are going to be the Des Kelly now and the Tesco end they're going to be the big main stands yeah and then they're going to have where the bar is now and the lane that leads into Daily Mail are going to be a concourse so the bar is now going to be a stand or a safe stand and whatever way a terrace whatever whatever way they're going to do it so, so I'm going to right we're going to go prediction right and well, first of all prediction where will they put the flowers <coughs> the bees bees uh, the Canadian geese Poets Corner Poets Corner uh, the beer or sorry the Daily Mount Gin Daily Mount Gin murals uh, Crimean tomatoes new murals the so, new, new place for all these things. Yeah, it? so I'm I'm interested. I'm gonna we're gonna do a prediction league here, right? When will it be? When when will Daily Mail be finished, right? I'm gonna say. Do you know what? I had the same idea. Let's do it. I want to do some sort of game about this. So let's do it. I'm gonna say we'll give away hundred quid, right? Ooh. And this is this is out of your pocket. This is out of my pocket, yeah. And I'm gonna say twenty forty one. Massive delays. 40, Massive delays. Well, you're putting the date further back so you don't have to pay out. It's, it's going to be like the house in Blanche where mm. they dug up the foundations and they found a car. A fucking car. Did you hear about that? They were doing, digging up the foundations oh, in a house. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and a yeah. car was like, they're going to find bodies. That was mad. Or they're going to find something underneath there that they shouldn't. And then that's going to delay. People are going to get prosecuted. It's going to be like an all whirlwind shit show of fucking cancellations and... And delays with Daily Mail. 2041, I'm going to say. Speaking of the promise of prizes, uh, the gloves are off now with James Lowe. I took them off. I decided, Prof, you, you inspired me here. The man just wants his cans. He just wants his cans. He's done too much to Johnny ask. Ward, I'm calling you out. Give the man his cans. <laughs> I'm fed up with you. Who doesn't honour spot prizes? Because we do. You wouldn't see it here at Tifties. You wouldn't see it at Tifties. It's not fair. The poor man... Just wants his cans. Johnny Ward absolutely swamped these on the way home from the studio one day. Swallied them. Swallied them. I guarantee you. Got out of the studio and thought, I can't even do his voice. <laughs> you probably can. You, no, you have one in the locker. And he swamped no them going home, reading the race and post. That's what happened. So give the man his cans. Hashtag justice for Century Hoop. 
So, Rochdale, Gambazuna's former club and a team big dick had a soft spot. Bor have been relegated from League 2. Oh, I didn't see this, prof. I saw Yeovil going down from the conference into Vanarama South or whatever. I remember Yeovil being quite good. I think I think Paddy Madden might have played for them, maybe. But um, so he followed a 1-0 defeat to Stockport and it brings an end to the Dale's 102 years stay in the Football League. So 102 years. It's a it's that's a sad a sad occasion for any club and I watched the Wrexham game as well like say what you want about the whole Wrexham thing <clears throat> you've both fans coming out and giving out about millionaires and billionaires buying clubs and the alliance and their beloved Wrexham are literally two of the richest men in the, in, in Hollywood have bought their club and pretty much bought them up but it's a cool story um. Is it is it the fans' fault that they've been bought by guys who want to invest in the club and make it bigger? Isn't that what you want ultimately? Like, would you rather be right now? Would you rather be Wrexham in a position with these two guys who are ultimately like billionaires, investing in your club and getting you promoted, or would you like to be Boreham Wood, languishing, who have five thousand seater stadium and are languishing in the conference for possibly next how long? Oh, you know what I mean? I, it, it seems like it's a good thing, and the 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 people of Wrexham who own the club they voted in its favour. Well, the um, end, when it comes to owners, the maybe an, the majority is, ownership possibly wasn't the right way forward, but maybe they hadn't got an option. It always depends. Yeah, it really does depend. It's circumstantial, but um, I I don't see the whole hatred towards having money. I remember a lot of people saying, Do "You how, know what I mean? How great the Dock Celtic owners. have mad money now for the Scottish standards." People don't remember. Don't have remember, people kept saying to the dock owners, "Oh, isn't it great, your man? He's 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 talking about living in Dundalk and he loves the area and he's having a great time and he's getting interest in football." And there was pieces written about how this is finally owners are who aren't cold and calculated; they care. Look at that turndale. So yeah. it depends, as always. Yeah, it really does. I I de- like I, I will say. I'm, oh, I started Ted Lasso. By the way, hooked. Yeah, I've. I need to finish season two. But, Absolutely um, hooked. Brilliant. Great, great show. Brilliant show. Yeah. So, and that's that's pretty much where I started it. Roy, Roy is a great guy. <laughs> Roy is yeah. brilliant. So, started that and thought, okay, this is class. And then it kind of reminded me of the whole thing. But I think my thoughts on the two boys, they're too nice for football. They're like, you know, Yeovil are a great club. Blah, 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 blah. Like, fuck them. They got relegated. And then they're like, oh, Knott's County. You know, you're Warriors. You're Warriors and we love you. It was like, Stop. Oh, you're talking about um, the comments and Rob, Twitters and tweets and Rob oh, McElhenney and yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple of their promos. Yeah, no, I like the first one. Not, not, not when they when they won the, the promotion. <laughs> when they signed Owen O'Connell. The one when they played each other, Last County. Yeah. They, when they got the late winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Brian Reynolds was interviewed. I actually thought that interview was amazing. Yeah, no, they they've been great. Like it is. It's a cool angle. It's a different story. It's fairy tale stuff at this stage. They've got their second season of. This is Wrexham. It's going to be brilliant television. Like, it really is. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. So, it's absolutely genius. What yeah, it is. It's genius from them. Um, big sponsors, TikTok, I think, Ex- Expedia might, might sponsor them. So, it is. It's it's interesting. But like I said, I don't know. what. How do you feel about the whole money side of things? Like, people get hammered for having money and being able to spend it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Oh, they have a bigger budget. They have this, they have that. I think it might be a little bit lame, you know. It's just the way of the world now. Without yeah. investment, you're not going to get anywhere. True, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So we've uh, scales his goal against Rangers. Did he mean it? Not a fucking chance. 
You can see him looking at the back stick. You can see him looking for the striker. He looks everywhere bare the goal. Bare the goal. So. Unless he's doing a no-look, absolute worldy. Sorry, Scalzi. You didn't mean it, pal. Well, even if it's an accidental cross, the man just doesn't do tap-ins, does he? Do you know what he missed he out on as well? He just doesn't score ordinary goals, ever. He should have said, I, I meant it in Irish. That would have been, that would have went down a tree, <laughs> wouldn't it, against Rangers? It became a bit of a running joke, didn't he, if he meant it or not. And they still they had a little problem of him saying, of course he meant it. Uh, the Estonian Football Podcast, one of Prof's European experts we had on a couple of years ago. They had Marcus Poom on the show, but it doesn't air for a couple of weeks. So uh, keep an eye out for that. You've got Marcus doing his bit. Um, we might have scooped on Gar because we've got Marcus on the quiz next week. Oh, yeah. Estonians abroad. Jay Mangan has two teams in the Champions League semi-finals. Are they in opposite matches? Who have you got? Milan don't have City, do they? Who got uh, drawn each other? Milan, the, it's the Milan Derby. Milan and Madrid. Milan and... No, it's the Milan Derby. In the semis. In the semis. It's got drawn. Yeah, it's Real Madrid and Man City. And Real Madrid and Man City. Funny enough, I loved the other two teams as a kid. Real Madrid and Inter Milan. <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. yeah. Inter Milan in particular. Alvaro Recaba. Remember him? Oh, Left there, foot. There, there's a blast. There the is a blast in the past. Ronaldo and Vieri up front. Oh, Vieri was the man. Zanetti. Great team. Uh, Walter Samuel. Oh, yes. So, um, yes... We have West Ham beating Ghent 4-1 in the Conference League quarter-final. So I think there was a draw initially. Within three, they couldn't uh, they couldn't yeah. overcome the, the Premiership quality. That's the end of the robbers' link now in the in the Commerce League. It's gone. Yeah, done, yeah. Uh, Europa bu- Europe buzz. We're going already, Prof. We know our potential opponents. Do you find that now? Because, like, oh. <clears throat> um, you know, obviously the coefficients start popping up in the WhatsApp groups. But even, like, I'm at the women's game. And the two people beside me, they're just talking about potential opponents. All of a sudden, at this time of year, it just happens where everyone starts talking about it. Yeah, it just happens. It's like a natural growth. It's brilliant. Um, so, who do we want to avoid, Prof? We want to well, avoid we, hacking the unseeded Swedish champs. Yeah, not hacking them. Uh, we want Lern, uh, Malda or Latvia. Lern will be the business. Perfect. Be absolutely perfect. Less than two hours up the Bus road. Bus up the road. There. Bus up the road. They have no airport apparently. Double decker, maybe. We're, we're getting the bus. Yeah. Uh, not this. It's not Hibs again, but uh, Malta would be ideal because it'd be a beatable team. Latvia. We, how many times have we talked about Latvia in the show? We want to go there. Malta broke me, so I, I'll have to think twice. I don't think I would go twice, but I just I want to get. I <laughs> know oh, I definitely go. I don't only mess. I want to get Malta. It broke team. me. Or it Larry. broke me. For like like reason. Nate said, DC Diamond. <laughs> It's a shame <clears throat> TNS are seeded and the Imps from Gibraltar are seeded so we won't get them. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, but do you know what? Me and Thomas Thorny are kindred spirits for some reason, Garrett, because <laughs> we have both always wanted to go to the Faroe Islands. And we can't explain why. Yeah. I don't know why. Brian Kerr got I've always wanted to draw a team from there because it's just... It's so out there. And if if we didn't... Qualify you, you'd have to bury your head in the sand. You, you can't come back from and the Faroe sh- Islands. And I'm sure it'd be it'd be very awkward to get there. I'm sure it'd be cold, but I don't know. I just want to go there. I was doing me a little bit of research for the Simon Madden one, and Rops came up, and oh my god, that was a bad one, wasn't it? The Rops, Rops, Rob and Emi, yeah, yeah. Rops, Rob and Emi. Remember that one? Off to see Santa away. Mm-hmm. That was a bad one. Then Bradshaw's first game was the away leg. Am I right? That's right, yeah. When I draw McCabe, Penno, yeah, Highland, uh, Clanger, Highland Clanger. I remember it. Yeah, I remember watching it on the stream. So yes, the old the, the, Gary O'Neill prof. 
<laughs> this is the one that was kind of lauded by all the strikers that we've ever had on. I think mm-hmm. who who said it? Tommy Stewart, possibly a couple of other strikers and players said that he was such a good worker and good grafter on the pitch. But now he's been jailed for thirty months for transporting two hundred thousand mm. euro in cash. So that's uh, tales from the gangland. Owen Rice should be reporting on this one. Yeah. Didn't think he'd have the balls to do this now. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, probably going to hell. Women, it's fine, it's a criminal. Women report from the prof. The women, the Derby Tonkin prof. Yeah, oh. my, uh, my Derby <clears throat> Tonkin report. We had lovely weather at Rusham Park the night before. Uh, not the case in Tala on the Saturday. We had a downpour. But uh, still a great crowd. We had a record 1,111 attendance. That's a record for the league in the women's division. So uh, we raced into a 3-0 half-time lead. Uh, we had Gargan heading in Thompson's free kick, fresh off her podcast interview. Uh, she's like Jack Byrne with her, her set-piece delivery. Oh, yeah. uh, then we had a free kick again, which led to a handball and a penalty. So Anya Gorman dispatched a penalty. What a professional she is. Yeah, she's, top, she's our top scorer now with five goals. Um, so the third goal then was lovely through a ball by Eva Kelly. And Abby Larkin with a cool finish. First goal of the season? First goal of the season. First goal yeah, of the season. and she won the player of the, of the match award, our Rings End Rover. She provided the fourth goal then for Anya. Great cross. It was one of those crosses that was so good, it took out every defender and the goalkeeper. Oh, that, that all tap Anya, in. All Anya had to do was just nudge her leg towards it and was going to go in. And Keep her jump? Uh, no jumping. We had a debut for uh, Eva Fleming. And we had... What else was there? Yeah, like, uh, I think a few people turned out for this match that hadn't... Like, it was probably their first game of the season. Because it was Bowes. It was the derby. As, as Dan Fulham says, it's just great to beat them at anything. Yeah. Anything whatsoever. Anything. Yeah. Tiddlywinks. Whatever. Um, now, n- nice little atmosphere. Uh, Jamie appeared to have her own fan club. Every time she touched the ball, there'd be... <laughs> There'd be screeches and cheers. Uh, Maloney claims he was at the match, but I couldn't hear him, Gary. So, <laughs> if I can't hear Jason Maloney at the women's match, Who's in? is he really there? <laughs> Who's sitting in? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, a few, t- chat to a few people there. Uh, John Cody, apparently, is going to be JC. Uh, an attendee now with the women's games. Um, he's great cracked at that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was telling him about Very the- animated man. I was telling him about the quiz and he was like, have I ever been a, an answer to the quiz? I says, yeah, you probably have, yeah. Is that the first thing he asked? <laughs> yeah. Have I ever been an answer to the quiz? Yeah. Oh I introduced God. him to the word tonk. At first, chocolate he'd eat himself. At first he was very sceptical. He thought this was an odd word. But then I saw him again later and he said, tonk! <laughs> so he's, he's adopting it now. Uh, JC's a great fella. Yeah. Um, yes, so Prof Academy Three away wins with clean sheets for our academy side last weekend. The men's 19s, 1-0 and Kerry. Tough, tough game down there. Keen Court's goal. Women's 19s, 2-0 at Sligo. And the men's under 14s, 6-0 winners at Treaty United. Desmond Armstrong, hat-trick prof. So, um, Sinclair's brother. Doing the business. Yeah. Um, three treks as well, wasn't it? <coughs> Kerry, three Sligo. Treks, yeah. And uh, Treaty and Limerick. Well done to our 2011 group who reached the final of the under-12s SFAI Cup defeating Evergreen. Good youth team. 
Uh, 4-0 so played Kilkenny in front of a big home support and the boys perform really well so great stuff from the lads and we have the Shamrock Robbers summer camps they're back oh, in July yes. and August yeah summer camps so they're going to be really good don't feel um, like you have to transport yourself and your kids out to Tala every day it's not the case they're all over Dublin check them out on shamrockrovers.ie some really really good ones there on the academy website so they're all Luke and they're in Blanche they're everywhere they're brilliant and you get a full kit you get a ball and I think it's only 90 quid for 5 days brilliant stuff brilliant stuff so get your kids down to Yizzer summer camps excellent yeah uh, I've got to mention by the way the, the women's game Jason Carey on co-commentary uh, head of women's football who we had on the show there oh yes a couple of months back so him and uh, him and David Hanley were, were on the commentary so Roddy and the Stars saw one of the best free kicks ever in the Glenmore Lavarno game in the Phoenix Park big shout out to Dan O'Brien who buried one and Roddy must have been walking the dogs through the Fino. Yeah, he took in a game. So, Dan O'Brien, good hoop. Barry in a free kick. He said, it's the most top corner he's ever seen, I think, was the quote. The quote was, I've never seen a ball fit so perfectly in the top corner. Oh, unbelievable stuff from Dan So, next prop, we have the quiz next. Up next, we have um, Simon Power and Conan Noon. Right, so we are back for another questions from the East End. We are here with the two boys. We've Conan Noonan and Simon Power, lads. You're very welcome. Thanks very, Thanks much. very much. We're back in the little creepy office. The, uh, the classroom was occupied. So what I'll get you two years to do first is you're going to put down your tiebreaker question. So this is going to separate any messing as regards to the group stages, right? So the question is, what year did Tallis Stadium open, right? So stick that down underneath your tiebreaker there, okay? So we get that done, and it's going to work on a group stage basis, you could say. So you have to qualify out of the group. So if you don't do well, you might be okay, right? So you have your tiebreaker, yeah? Yeah. So we're going to start with question one. Who are the only two Rovers players to start each of the first 10 league games this season? 20 seconds for each question, right? Say, say that again. Who are the first... Who are the only two Rovers players to start each of the first ten league games this season? Who are the ever-present players? Okay. Colin, who have you got? Well, Alan's one. Yeah. You have to get the two of them to get it right, all right? Yeah. I have the other one, I think. I'm going to have to pressure here. I know it's wrong because he didn't start the last game. Who have you got? Neil. No. Wrong. I know it's wrong. What have you got? Rory. No. Oh. He didn't start the first. No, it's Did Jack. He didn't start Sligo. Jack and Alan Manus. Oh, that's so obvious. Jesus. Right, two. What country did Ireland be in the 2002 World Cup in the group stage game? Oh. B. Only nippers at this stage, I reckon, you as well, lads. This one got me as well. Who we be? And they drew. With Joey and Dawes, Cameroon. Cameroon, and then they went on. Oh, I haven't know. I haven't a clue. It's only one team coming. I know it's not them though. Fuck yeah. Where'd they be? Or I don't even know who's in the group. And I need an answer, lads. Ah, it's gonna. Conan. America. No, not America. Ah, Spain. I think. Spain. Saudi Arabia. Oh, Jeez, what? Saudi Arabia, yeah. 
So three, this is a, this is a good one now. Okay. I'm interested to see if you if you get this one more. So what happens if a goalkeeper scores an own goal from a goal kick? Example: If the wind curled it back into his own net. <laughs> what? what is the referee's decision? This is something we went into the rabbit hole before about this, right? So let's say he takes a goal kick, wind yeah. blows it back in into the net. What is the referee's decision? But the, the rules of the law, like the the letter of the land, you know. For some reason. Right. I think it's this. Um, I know it's something, something weird. It's going to be something random. Right, Conan, what have you got? Is it free kick out? No. It's a corner. It is a corner. Let's we won, won on the board for Simon. <laughs> I knew, I think, something I think I've heard it before. Yeah, I don't know I where it, it was. Yeah. I think because it's put in, it hasn't touched the ground, it's not officially in play. I'm, I don't know. Listen, so, either way, that's what it is. Right. right, so number four. In the FA Cup quarterfinals, the Seagulls beat a club named the Mariners. Now, we, we're missing Richie today. Richie's not well. So this one would have been tinted towards Richie. So in the FA Cup quarterfinals, the Seagulls beat a club nicknamed the Mariners and uh, named the two clubs involved, the Mariners and the Seagulls in the FA Cup quarterfinals only recently. Right, what have you got, lads? Brighton and Grimsby. Brighton and Grimsby. Simon's up again. Yeah, I have the same. Brighton, yeah. Grimsby. Brighton and Grimsby. Right, so we're moving on to our last... No, we're moving on to our general knowledge now. So, a little bit of football involved in it as well. In what country would you find the Olympia Stadion? The Olympia Stadion. Oh, okay. I think I know. Olympia... Hey, what have you got coming up? Gone Italy. No. Oh, Italy as no, well. no, it's Germany. Heard to Berlin. I would never have got that. Oh. Never. So the very doesn't sound very German. No. <laughs> no. It's throwing me off. Number six. What is the term for food that has been prepared according to the laws of Judaism in the Jewish religion? You'd have heard this in maybe movies. They, it's also used as a word that can be described as, oh, that's okay, you know. Oh, that's... When you hear it, you might be. So what is the term for food that has been prepared according to the laws of Judaism? Jewish religion. It's work. I know it's not right, though. But I don't even have an answer. Um, right, Colin, you're not, you've nothing. I literally don't even have an answer. What are you going for? <laughs> is that haram? Haram? No, but kosher. Oh, no. Kosher. No, <laughs> That's haram. <laughs> Number seven. You should know this one, lads, from your teammates. What three colours make up the Estonian flag? Okay. Three. Yeah. Okay, I think I don't. I don't. Um. <laughs> what have you got, Conan? Cohen's getting stressed here. Blue, white, and black. Yeah. That's it. Is it actually? Yeah, good yeah. man. There we go. More on the board. 3 2. Question 8, lads. Joe Biden, he visited Ireland last week. What room does he normally sit in in the White House? Ah, oh, jeez. They're, they're, they're there. It's there in the tip of your tongue, isn't it? You, you can, I can see the two. The it. biggest. <laughs> so, what room does he sit in? What's the main room in the White House? Can't give you any hints either. Oh, I should know this. Think of the, watch a Netflix thing. Think of the West thing. Wing. Think of 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna need an answer, lads. Someone. Nothing. Bowie is. I don't even have anything. The Oval Office. The Oval Office. And what? Who's number nine? What causes John Wick? Have you seen John Wick? No. No. Oh, lads, this should be good. What causes John Wick to return to his old life of crime in the first John Wick movie? Right. What causes him? Not John Wick fans, lads. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I'm guessing no, no answer here, lads, no? I don't think. The murder of his dog. Yeah, no, I'm never getting that. And finally, number 10. <laughs> what would a botanist study? Study of botany. Oh. We're not even in the classroom, lads, but I think you might need to go back into it soon. Yeah. What would a botanist study? Right. Oh, so I'm, this question. So I'm not so sure. Bad, but... <laughs> Conan, what have you got? Bones. No, not bones. Plants. Plants! Let's Plants go. is it. Simon has four, and that's it. So four. Simon has four, Conan has two. Conan, you could end up being one of the best losers. That's best second at tour place. Depends, we'll have a, a best be loser round four. Might, might not be too bad, Simon. So that is it for questions from the East End this week, lads. Thanks very much. Thank and, you. Uh, Thanks very so much. much. Cheers. So initially it was supposed to be Richie Tell as well. Richie Tell wasn't feeling great. Blew me off, Prof. Richie blew me off. Yeah, obviously this quiz not as exciting as last week with Jack Byrne. Uh, but we wore down a body. So yeah. that kind of... Like, we had a couple of questions tailored for, for Richie and for the three of them. Did so. you get the Jewish food one? I... I Was when, it on the tip of your tongue? When you Because s- it was... It was what? What was the day? It was the Jew, Jewish day or whatever it was. Oh, that actually was. Yeah. Oh, that's why you, you picked that question. Yeah. No, when you gave me oh the answer, God. I was like, oh, no, I do know that. Yeah, actually. I knew. But, that's what I wanted. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, not a bad guess with Haram, I think he was in, or Halal, I mm. think he tried. He was he was on the right the right avenue, you know. I think we should start introducing kosher into our Tifty's lexicon, along with Kosher, yes, yes. So, yeah. Um, who was the person at the end? It was probably Conan, wasn't it? It was like, some of them questions, I wasn't even born for half of them. Yeah, yeah, that was him. But there's only one or two. Oh, they weren't well, that bad, man. I mean, like, I wasn't born for. Well, I was. I was. I was very young for Euro '88, for example. But I know who we played. These are. Um, I don't have to have seen the games. These are footballers. Don't forget. Yes, they are indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, your intro, by the way, Gar, an absolute load of nonsense. Why? Uh, what are you talking about with groups? There's no groups. <laughs> was it not? <laughs> no, but I'm. I'm. I'm wanting to think it's like groups. So it is one big group. It's just a big leaderboard. It's a big group, Prof. There's no groups. <coughs> Either way, it's good crack. <laughs> um, yeah, so who else have we got left? We have a couple of... Cr- uh, a few good ones left, Prof. Well, we have three... Three of the players aren't so keen on the quiz. And look, we're not going to... We're not going to force them to play. Uh, we've, we've done... We're going to do the, the vast majority of the squad. So, there's about three left. Which I'm hoping to do at the weekend. Can we just say that if you do not... If you do refuse to play... Might reflect on how we review your performance <laughs> in the games, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, there's about three left, so we could be concluding the first qualifying round mm. uh, shortly. Yes. So, Prof, it's one quiz to another. It's Tuesday trivia. I haven't even posted this one up online yet, Prof. Um, have we got Turner telling lies yet about it? <laughs> right, so, Prof, here we go. Two minutes on the clock. Get the timer ready. Hold on, listen. 
Doing, doing your stretches. Oh, stretch that out there. Oh, crack the knuckles. Two Let's minute go. timer is set. And Let's go. go. Which former hoop was nicknamed the Fisherman? Terry Palmer, Gino Brazil, John Toll, Derek Tracy. Derek Tracy we played on the show. One up. What? Which country were 2020 Europa League opponents Ilves Tampere from? Finland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden. Finland. Oh, Name Rovers captain in 2014-2015 seasons. McCabe, Kenneth, Robinson, McPhail. This is tough, isn't it? Yeah. Robinson. No, oh, McKenna! I knew it! <laughs> you put him in there on purpose, you sneaky bastard. Which of these clubs were not in the 20, 2006 First Division? Oh, Athlone. We were, yeah, Waterford, Limerick, Kilkenny. Mm. Waterford. Yes! Good guess. Oh, it wasn't a guess. <laughs> of Rovers, nine opponents in the 2006 First Division. How many of them no longer have a senior team by that name in LA, LA football? Of Rovers, nine opponents in that 2006 First Division. How many of them no longer have a senior team? Oof, I'll go three. Total guess. No, four. Which former Rovers player is currently in charge of the Republic of Ireland women's under 19s? So, yeah, Dave Connell, Mick Neville, Keith O'Halloran, Paulo, Sam. All of them actually do work <clears throat> for FAO underage sides. Oh, just uh, to make it harder. Keith O'Halloran left recently. No, Dave Connell. Who was the only outfield player to start every league game this season? Neil Fruit, Jack Bourne, Rory Gaffney, Dan Cleary. Jack and Alan Manis started all games. Jack Bourne. Yes. Ronan Finn has worn shut up prof Ronan Finn has worn the number 8 short since returning to the club in 2017 what was his squad normal during his first spell 21 yes hold on I, I'm usually rubbish with them Aaron Greenman is 200 appearance for hours on Friday which of these men has not played in that many games for the club Pico Dylan Lee Allen I'm going to say I'm going to say Dylan because he hasn't scored that many goals yes which is logic prof which of these players made a competitive force of appearance to promote Rovers and Arsenal Stephen Brady Graham Barrett O'Donnell uh, which players wait wait alright right, just stop and read it slowly <sighs> okay which of these players made a competitive first team appearance for both Rovers and Arsenal okay Graham Barrett has to be Graham Barrett yes 70 7 out of 10 that's one of your not bad man course, yeah. that's one of my horror ones on form today. I stopped the alarm there. That's why you didn't hear. That was a, uh, that was an easy one, but potential. To me, there was a couple of tricky ones, but when I made it, I thought somebody could potentially get nine or ten here. It's one of those. Yeah. I love how <laughs> did you hear Barney last week? He goes, uh, every week I do that quiz, I do terribly at it, and then I x out of it furiously. <laughs> It's like, and then James Lowe replies he goes yeah same it's like like us in championship yeah. manager where you'd save it before a big game and we'd be let's say I lost I'd look at you and you'd be like do it yeah. restart go on we had won a fucking season or something yeah. like that I just love how despite Barney making him angry every week he still keeps playing it and then he did well Well, by his standards he did well this week I was like yeah go on Barney <laughs> right so Prof Start 11s and predictions. Right, Prof. I am going to go... I'm going to go Manus. Oh, this is so tough now, do you know that? <clears throat> Hard didn't play, but he deserves to play. But he didn't start, but they were all so good. In Sligo at home. Clearly, clearly has that potential to have an assist as well because he's got a great ping of a ball. He can cross the ball in. Uh, 
Grace Pico. Grace Pico Har. I'm gonna go Grace Pico Har. That's always my preferred back three at the yeah. moment. I'm gonna go Trev because I feel I feel he's there to start again. I think he's very good. You can't drop him after the goal. Do you think Cabo and <clears throat> and Trev could be horses for courses, or should one of them play all the time? <sighs> I think it's a horse for course job because let's. No offence to the two guys, but none of them are commanding a four-team spot the way for Ruger or Jack are, you know, like that. So it's it's a case of how the manager feels in the day, I'd say. So mm. I'm gonna go Tre- Trev. Um, but I just I like I like I, I just like Trev, lady, and then Ruger on the right. I'm gonna go. I don't. Given that it's two um, games in, uh, it's, it's Friday Monday. Could Finner oh, start one of these man, two games? I didn't even think of that. How could I not think of that? Fucking run the bus to the fucking thing. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to think about this now. I'm gonna go Finner on the right. Cavo for Sligo. Yeah, for Sligo. I'm gonna start Finner. I think he has always. On, I think he has always on Friday with making his first appearance against Pats. Hmm. And backline stays the same. I'm gonna leave Gary O'Neill in there. The new Gary O'Neill. <laughs> the one that doesn't have conviction. <laughs> uh, Poom maybe. I don't like I don't think Cam Watts do it this is a tough one man I'm going to give Poom another chance Poom and Gary O'Neill and it's going to be Bork Borkborn and Kenny has to be yeah two um, days two days rest long trip up to Derry after I, that I think yeah I think he is I gonna... think we get away without Faruja are we wrapping him on cotton wool oh, no, I'm going to get Finner to play here and Poom and Gary O'Neill in the middle. I'm I'm, I'm looking at starting Tell in Derry. I'm looking at uh, starting Fruge in Derry. Maybe he's even looking as far ahead as Bowes for Finner. Maybe he's thinking. Oh my God! Think about how important the next week is. No, nah, but he might like give him a couple more sub appearances, and then he potentially could start against Bowes. Although Fruge was excellent in Denny Park, so yeah. I wouldn't be dropping Fruge. I'm gonna go two 0 win as well. I think we'll keep a clean sheet and we'll. Be very, very confident going into Derry. Mm-hmm. I think we have pretty much the same team there. Um, prediction, I will say, 2-0 win. Yeah. And prediction in Derry. I'd say Borky Brace for Sligo. And Derry, I'm going to say, smooth 1-0. Mm. Smooth 1-0 with a good performance. I have a feeling we might beat Derry, actually. Oh, oh. <sighs> Two one win, Derry. Oh, oh, that prof is on. Yeah, so um, prof seven three six eight average Friday attendance, and still no eighty nine, eighteen ninety nine yet. Not ready. Not a big deal. Hospitality is a big thing involving football, but it's mm. worth it in the long run. It's going to be revamped and fantastic. So when it is ready, you'll know all about it. We'll have a big party. Um, a few people were being snarky about the why you're removing the snark. Monday. Why are you removing the Monday in that figure? Um, obviously, if you do, it's it's lower because we were home to UCD in Cork, four thousand ish attendances. Two of the two the two clubs that were expected to finish like in the bottom three. Um, five out of five away allocation sold out so far. Uh, not there yet. Um, getting there. But just as for the home game, before we talk about Derry. <laughs> Yeah, we have hoops in. Gary, you put up the Shawsy brace in Galway. It was a coincidence, totally. You put that up, and funny enough... Because I've been talking to him to get a few scoops on Madden. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, 
I was looking back on the Galway games, and he's like, we've. I was looking back. I was like, Shazzy scored a winner in that. I was like, Where, where's the late one? We actually won so many times out there. <laughs> it's a great. It's a happy hunting ground. Scored like. two braces that season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I uh, interviewed in the program for Snapchat. So your two interviews in the program this week are Shazzy and Kenny against his old club. McDara. Oh, good stuff. Dara McFerris has talked to uh, Johnny Kenny. The evil twin. For the program. And Garrett, in the south stand or the east stand or the main stand, would anybody be offering uh, short back and sides uh, like the barber at Wembley? Just watch the game. Stop putting shit up on YouTube for likes. Just putting shit up on the gram for fucking clue. Just stop. Enjoy the game. Stop getting a haircut in the stadium. How about that? Yeah? Sounds about right here. Yeah. I also got to make another coincidence. Not just the Shawsy one. But I came up with that quiz question about the captain in 2014. <laughs> where the answer was Connor Kenner, right? So I came up with that last week. And there it was. Half time of the women's match. And who was bringing out his killing the man on the raid side? Connor Kenner. Connor Kenner. Connor Kenner was standing on the pitch in Tata. After I hadn't thought about him in years. And there he was. A very tepid time at Rome, as you could say. Not not a good time to come. Milky. Yeah. So, Prof, 20 times League of World Champions, Shamrock Rovers have thrown their weight behind the national campaign to ship pre-loved sports shoes from Irish families to township children in South Africa. So, a fantastic scheme that Rovers have taken part in. Rovers have volunteered several resources to the In My Shoes campaign, which is working with schools, sports clubs and families to collect several thousands of no longer needed boots. Shamrock Rovers have teamed up with their partners, the Square Teller, Skechers Ireland, to support the appeal. So the club are running a used sports shoe collection event outside the cinema in the square together with the players meet and greet on Friday, April 28th. So this Friday, Prof, when it comes out, it's Thursday now. Well, it's not Thursday now, it's Tuesday, but it will be Thursday when you're listening to it. And it's tomorrow, so 3pm to 4pm in the square at the cinema, okay? Bring your old boots and club mascot Hooperman will be there to meet those donating and he will give away lots of great prizes and giveaways Uh, to to add even more to the occasion everyone who donates a pair of sports shoes at the square will get a 20% off Skechers voucher there you go get user Skechers voucher League Champions will also be holding a collection in the club shop in Tallet Stadium during the opening hours on Friday 28th and Saturday 29th of April. This will be the drop-off only. Shop hours are Friday 2pm to 7.45. Home match versus Sligo. Kickoffs 8pm, don't forget. On Saturday 12th of 4 and the sports shoes must be in decent condition and clean with no dirt on them. So, uh, don't be getting done dirty boots. Smell of boots. My God. Jay, do you want to smell Jaden's boots, man? You can smell them in the head. Like you walk in the door, I'll go, Jaden, put your boots out the back. <laughs> and he'll tramp down the stairs. And put them out. They stink. So give them a wash. We had a dairy prediction. We both think we're going for a win. And the Whack Express is running now. Tifty's bus is full. Get yourself up to Derry on the bank. Or what else would you be doing? Leave one o'clock at the points. Get yourself up to the up to the points and a few points and the crack that is the Whack Express. It's the getting home late. That's <clears> the part. That's that's what's mind that. That's what's putting people off. One PM. Plus, there's two weddings on. Two Rovers weddings as well. But uh, yeah, the Whack Express are running. If you want to get in touch with us through our social media, no problem. Taste the East End Instagram and do you know, uh, do you know East End Pod. So if you want to tick on the Whack, let us know. Do you know why I'm going? Aside from the obvious, we're away to Derry 
first away game to Derry this season. Our title rivals. I called this out on the show before. Our last few games at the Brandywell have been awful timing. Either a Mickey yeah. Mouse competition or three days after Europe. I'm sick of this Brandywell run, Ron. I want to go up there. That's why I'm going. Yeah, that's it, Prof. Me and you, down the back in the office. So, um, yeah, that is it. And Whack Express is running, so make sure you get on. Um, Prof, next up, this is a... We're, we're going to have to set this up properly because... <clears throat> so, Prof has... And, and his good trustee and... So, I wouldn't even say sidekick. Does sidekick mean you're lesser? They're lesser than you? Uh, like possibly. if someone says That's, you're my sidekick, I'd be like, I, I, don't, I don't like that. That is the implication. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't like that at all. But, so who's... Are you Rob's sidekick or... We've teamed up here. You've teamed up a collaboration. So, um, obviously, you knew Robert Goggins went to Slough to meet um, the family of Bob Fulham. So, you're going to... We have the memorial coming up. It's my dad. You're going to listen to Bob Fulham's daughter talk about her dad. A Shamrock Rovers player from the 1920s. Regarded as the best player of all time. Well, Paddy Cole was considered Paddy Cole the best ever. And Bob Fulham, people say it all the time. Yeah, but he did score a record 27 goals in our <clears> first <throat> title winning season, 22-23. The daughter of that man is on In Memoriam. That's mental. This is nuts. So. Yeah, so I've just set up a little bit more. Um, did, I didn't actually plan on doing one of these so soon because, you know, we like to mix up the content a bit. So I was thinking, ah, a month or two down the line. But when Robert said he was travelling over, I said... Can you talk to her for a memoriam? Because that would be unbelievable. So, given all the celebrations with the 100 years and all, I think the timing was just right to do it now. So, plus we got... We got uh, four sons on top of this as well. One of them is a replay from Ray Wilson. So, you would have heard this two years ago. Ray's tribute to his dad, Jack. But the other three are uh, new ones. So, you'll hear... Tributes to Jack Wilson, Peter Murphy, Jimmy Cook, Richard McGarry, who sadly passed away only this past November, and finally Bob Fulham. Thanks, Gary and the Prof, for suggesting a recollection of my dad, Jack Wilson. It's very kind of you both. So Jack would have uh, been brought to his first Rovers match by his father, my granddad, Johnny Wilson, back in the early 1940s. Uh, and until uh, Jack's ill health before he died in January 2009, uh, I honestly don't think he'd have missed more than a handful of games over what was almost the best part of 70 years. Uh, Homer away, hail, rain or shine, uh, he was there. And indeed, I was there as well from the 1960s until I emigrated to Australia uh, in the 1980s. And I have so many fond memories uh, growing up of going to matches at Milltown and going to away matches down the country with Jack uh, and his friends, Dick Regan and Peter Sheridan. Uh, some great times we had uh, back then. Uh, and, and a couple of pints, of course. Uh, well, Club Orange and Crisps for me uh, as a young boy, but a couple of pints for the, for the men in Bowes and Fleet Street uh, when we were living in Rialto. And then when we moved to Temple Oak, uh, the venue changed, the post-match venue changed to the famous dropping well in, in Milltown. So um, great memories. Uh, and I always remember uh, as a young schoolboy, Dick would always slip me a few bob uh, at the end of every Sunday. And the reason I got the few bob was that Jack wouldn't take any petrol money from Dick because 
when he was a young man uh, and out of work, uh, he couldn't afford to go to an away match uh, on the train uh, one weekend. And Dick came up to his house in Soil Road. They both lived in Crumlin and knocked on the door and gave him a train ticket um, for, the, for the game the following day. And Jack never forgot that uh, kind gesture from Dick. And for the best part of 40 or 50 years, uh, wouldn't take petrol money from Dick. That was the kind of man he was. Uh, and I was lucky, of course, to be his son and to be brought along to, to matches from the late 60s uh, until I left to emigrate to uh, Australia in the mid-1980s in 1985. So he must have taken me to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games, but much to his chagrin and just to annoy him, I used to only remind him of the three matches he didn't take me to. Uh, one was the Cup replay in 1977 against Finn Harps. Uh, we drew the first game up there. Um, and John Carpenter was actually the referee. I recall Jack going up on the Sunday morning. We'd stayed overnight in Sligo. Um, we went up on the Sunday morning because uh, the pitch was frosted over um, and half the pitch was playable. The other half was um, was bone rock hard. And John Carpenter was going to call the match off. I remember Jack talking to him and urging him to uh, to play the game because we'd made the trip, uh, which he did, and we, we snuck away with a draw uh, and obviously went on to win the cup that year with John Carpenter playing a starring role. Uh, but um, he wouldn't let me go and see the replay. He thought I, I had to uh, stay at school instead. So I never let him forget that. Um, the away game in Linfield uh, was one that I didn't get to as well. I'd probably forgive him for that one. And then I remember we had a, we had a rare one day um, uh, when Rovers were playing uh, in Drada at the Old Lord Stadium. A game we won 7-0. And I think Ray Harkin, Ray Hankin, I should say, uh, ex-Burnley and Leeds, I think, scored a couple of goals in that match. Uh, in any event, he wouldn't bring me that morning to the game. And uh, I remember him telling me how he was delighted to see Rovers win. But as we started hockeying them, um, every goal was uh, was like someone uh, sending an arrow to his heart, I think. So, uh, you know, me being the ungrateful son, uh, they're the games that I uh, remind him of. But, of course... Um, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to him for what he did for me in getting me uh, into the uh, into Rovers. But look, back to Jack. Um, look, he just fell in love with Rovers. He told me from the from the very first sort of time he 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 went to a match, and um, you know, I think Ireland in the 1940s and 50s uh, was a pretty grim uh, and dull place uh, by all accounts. So, I think Rovers was a glamorous antidote to. Uh, daily life and um, he just thought you know the big crowds at Milltown and the big crowds we took to away games as well um, back in the day uh, was just something that he absolutely uh, loved and of course the 40s and 50s was the the era of Paddy Code um, uh, Rovers greatest player uh, uh, 18 years as player and manager and uh, to say Jack idolised him would be an understatement um, he, uh, I never saw Paddy play, but Jack would tell me just what a sublime footballer he was, the best passer of a ball um, he ever saw in, in, in Irish football. Uh, and I think as a coach as well, he admired him. You know, when Paddy became coach, he was certainly ahead of his time, promoted a passing game, uh, tried to focus on the, the technical capabilities of the players by all accounts, uh, and was ahead of his time in terms of training and nutrition, etc. So, you know, he really... Uh, he really was in awe of Paddy's contribution to Rovers over the best part of you know nearly twenty years, um, and I remember him telling me the story. Paddy actually married 
uh, into the Cunningham family. The owners of Rovers at the time, Joe Cunningham's daughter, uh, who were bookmakers, and Paddy worked in a bookie shop. And Jack would tell me how he would go into the bookie shop. He didn't mind a bet, mind you, but he wouldn't go in for a bet. He'd go in just to look at Paddy Coe. That's how much he, he loved him. And I think it was a great pleasure for Jack that when he became um, involved in Rovers uh, as a director after the loss of Milltown, he was able to reach out to Paddy Coe and, and, and the club uh, to recognise Paddy uh, in a way that he felt he hadn't been um, you know, after he left Rovers. So I think that was a great uh, joy for Jack to become you know, friendly with Paddy and the, and the Code family. Uh, and for things like the Player of the Year Award to be named uh, in his honour was, uh, was a great uh, pleasure as well. So, look, he had his favourite players. It wasn't only Paddy. Obviously, if you've spent a lifetime following Rovers, there's going to be uh, one heck of a lineup of great players. The players that he um, used to talk to me about, um, some of them before my time, uh, players the likes of Ronnie Nolan and Liam Toohey, Eddie Balaam, uh, and then players that I'd started to sort of uh, remember, um, the likes of Mick Leach and Johnny Fulham were, uh, were, were, were uh, favourites of his uh, he he would have been fond of a player, um, you know, who knew how to put the foot in. He was certainly um, maybe like uh, players in his own image, tough and uncompromising uh, as he could be at times. Um, so, you know, he wasn't one for windy players. And so a lot of people recall Frank O'Neill as being a great player. And I certainly remember Frank on the wing. But Jack always had a view that he didn't play down the country. So Frank, <laughs> Frank wouldn't have been one of his favourites. Um, but then, look, in the grim enough 1970s, uh, I think the likes of Pat Dunn, Ray Tracy, Stevie Linux, Donald Murphy when he came back from Coventry uh, were all players that um, you know he and I admired. Then into the 80s when we had an embarrassment of riches, of course, probably his favourite era at Rovers when the, the Giles experiment um, was over. He was delighted when Jim McLaughlin came in, thought you know Jim's approach to football was far better suited to winning in, a, in, in, in the Irish sort of set-up and context, and he was certainly right in that. But, you know, Jim Beglin would have been um, somebody he, he, he liked. Uh, he was very fond of Alan Campbell. Um, he was a sort of poacher extraordinaire. Uh, Pat Byrne was right up there. He saw Pat as probably the closest to, to Paddy Code. So, you know, Pat was certainly in the Code mould. Um, but then, you know, some of the tougher players, the, the Kevin Brady's, the Peter Eccles, he, he absolutely loved Peter. Uh, Paul Doolan was a great player, Kevin Brady, as I said, and, and very fond of Noel Larkin. He thought Larko was brilliant in his time at Rovers, unfortunately. I only saw a year of Noel, I think, before I, before I emigrated. And then look in the difficult years, the homeless years, um, the likes of Tony Cousins, uh, who's involved with the club now, um, uh, and, and, and Noel Hunt, uh, was, um, was, was another favourite of his. Actually, I've got a funny story about Noel. He, uh, when we sold him to Dunfermline, Dunfermline were a bit slow in, in paying up. And, uh, you know, Jack was ringing up the, the secretary at Dunfermline over uh, a couple of weeks and uh, kept getting promised the money was coming. And he rang him up on Friday and he said to him, listen, he said, I'm going to be in your office on Monday morning at 10 o'clock and you better have the cheque. <laughs> so... Uh, your man said, look, there's no need, no, no need to come over. No, we'll, we'll definitely send you next week. And, of course, Jack uh, wouldn't take no for an answer and flew over to Scotland uh, on the Sunday, I think, uh, and was there knocking on the door uh, on Monday morning and uh, left an hour later with the cheque. So uh, he wasn't a man to, uh, to, to, to mess around with too much. But, look, 
it was the loss of Milltown, obviously, that galvanised, you know, the whole family, um, uh, not just Jack and myself. Uh, in fact, at that time, you know, the whole family started going to the game. So my mum, Pauline, who's who's there at every game uh, nowadays, and my two sisters, Val and Paula, and the Armstrong and Cleary families now, who um, who, who who obviously support the club. But he was a man who uh, hated uh, injustice, as he saw it, and he was absolutely affronted by the sale of Milltown and was actually convinced that the Jesuits were in cahoots with the Kilcoins, that it wasn't just the doing of the Kilcoins, given that the Jesuits had um, surrendered the freehold to the Kilcoins only a year or so before the sale. In fact, I remember him telling me the story of he went up to the, the Jesuit monastery at Milltown, I think it was, and, and spoke to the the headman there and said, knocked on the door and said, I just want you to know that even though it's not public, that I know that the Jesuits are involved in the sale of this land. I want you to know that. So he needed to get that off his chest um, for some reason. But look, uh, he was uh, involved then in, in, in cram, obviously, from, from 87. Uh, and in fact, I remember my first trip home from Australia in, in 88 and um, I was uh, only in Dublin a few hours and I was on the picket line outside Tolka with him and, and, and many others. Uh, he was a great man for a picket or a boycott, being a, a union shop steward as he was in the 70s. I remember him leading a strike that went on when I was a young boy. It would have gone on for six or seven months when one of his colleagues had been stood down and, um, uh, and had, his, uh, had his job taken from him and he led that boycott of that organisation and... Uh, got the man his job back after six months. Again, that's the sort of man he was. But look, as I think people know, some people know, he served as a director uh, under various chairmen at Rovers, John McNamara, Joe Colwell and Tony McGuire in the, in the homeless years. Um, and, and look, they were, they were just so tough. I lift my hat to uh, the people who were involved back then when Jack put a uh, fundraising committee together of some great Rovers people. So people like... Uh, John Brain, who was on the board for many years, uh, Jimmy Kane, a great uh, rover stalwart from the 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, Jimmy Gillespie, Kieran Byrne, Joe Colwell was obviously the chairman at the time, I think, uh, and they used to uh, run a pools, football pools competition every week. They'd uh, pepper Dublin pubs, I think, on a Thursday and Friday with the pools, and then they'd meet up on a Saturday in Tommy Wright's bar on Burg Quay there. Uh, on the Saturday about three o'clock as the results were coming in later on and they'd tabulate the whole thing till eight and nine o'clock and then they dropped the the uh, results off to the various pubs so you know enormous efforts uh, back then from from people they're obviously putting on all sorts of other things golf classics which I think the famous bold Mick McCarthy and Jer Ferdy were running and um uh, and 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 dog races and really any anything to keep the the club on the road I mean they were just such difficult times and his great friend, uh, Richie Byrne, who was a fundraising committee stalwart as well. It was actually Richie who organised the, the room and Tommy writes. Richie tells the story of going to Tommy to say, listen, there's a bunch of Rovers lads need to get a, a room every Saturday for a few hours. And Tommy went, oh, Jesus. He said, Rovers lads, they'll, they'll wreck the place. And Richie said, no, 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 no. There's, <laughs> there's board directors involved. It'll be fine. So, uh, now, Richie uh, was, was, was brilliant through, through all that uh, difficult times as well. And then uh, probably his biggest legacy in some respects, I suppose, was in 2002, I think it was, he was the prime mover in the establishment of the 400 Club in an effort to complete Tala. 
and although we, me and him, were on opposite sides of the debate when the funds were withheld by the 400 Club and the club went into administration, uh, you know, he'd seen the demise of clubs like Drumcondra and plenty of other teams in the league and thought administration could be the end. So I remember many a night uh, chatting with Dave Carpenter uh, when we were trying to do the administration deal and, uh, and and talking then to Jack and being sort of upset about the kind of split in the ranks uh, within the uh, within the fan base. But look, thankfully, we were able to put all that behind us and uh, bring the club together. Uh, and it was great. He was really delighted, I think, with um, how it all worked out in the end. Uh, and that he remained on as president until his death in uh, in, in 2009. Um, but it does it does hurt that after all he did for the club from 1987 on and all the efforts into trying to secure Tala and staving off the GAA uh, and their court action that he didn't get to see us playing and Tala passing away just uh, two months before uh, we got to play that first match. Uh, and indeed... It was, I think, his speaking up uh, at a supporters' meeting in the plaza against the GAA deal, and, and Mick Kearns, uh, I think, was also heavily uh, opposed to the GAA deal that actually turned the tide away from doing that GAA uh, um, arrangement. So I think he could, he could smell uh, a ruse and a trap a mile away. But the main thing for him was um, to secure the future of the club. So... You know, once we'd staved off the GAA, I think he really enjoyed the last couple of years at Rovers. Uh, I think he particularly enjoyed the uh, first division season, um, which we were all devastated when we got relegated, but it turned out to be uh, a, a great year. Uh, I think he really admired Pat Scully and the team he put together. Uh, and that Discover Ireland tour was um, probably brought him back to earlier years of, uh, you know, lots of lots of away trips and uh, and overnight trips, which he he loved an overnight trip, I can tell you. Um, and and he loved uh, he loved a night in the Pines with the Pines Mafia as well, talking about Rovers um, after uh, after a home match or after a game when we'd uh, rush back to the Pines for a couple of pints before the end of the day. So look, he died a happy man. I think his legacy is undoubted in 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 what he contributed to Rovers. Um, whatever I've done for Rovers, I mean, it uh, pales into comparison to what Jack did. Um, so look, thanks again, Gary and the Prof, uh, for um, putting this on for for him uh, and the family. <coughs> and it's great to be able to share uh, those memories. Uh, he would have loved you too as well. Um, uh, something like this podcast he would have absolutely loved. So, uh, no, it's great to be able to uh, remember him. Uh, and thanks again. All the best. Peter Murphy here. i just been asked to say a few quick words about my, my late dad who died in 2011, also Peter Murphy, uh, and his involvement in my becoming a Rovers fan. Uh, I suppose he is the single most influential person me following Rovers in the first place. Although by his own omission, I don't think you ever would have necessarily regarded himself as much of a Rovers fan. I think... Similarly with my brother, when he started bringing him to Milltown in the early 80s, uh, once both of us got old enough to do our own thing and go on our own, he kind of stepped back away from it and his interest kind of uh, dropped dropped a little bit. So I think it was more a case of just keeping an interest in Rovers for so long as we were a fan. Um, even by his own admission, I, I think football probably wasn't his number one sport. He was very much an all-rounder when it came to his interest in sport. He'd be the the kind of person that would sit up late to watch the end of the, the snooker or the golf on TV. But I suppose if you pushed him, he'd probably say that boxing was probably his favourite sport and certainly the one that you spoke most passionately about. Um, although 
the only sport that he played com- competitively was actually the Ga. He played inter-county inter- Gaelic for his native Carlo way back in the day and uh, I think he might have picked up a couple, one or two suspensions along the way for a few indiscretions, including playing the so-called foreign sports. This would have been long before the ban was lifted, I think, in the 70s and a few other things as well. Um, career-wise, he did quite a few things in his career. He was mostly known as a, a broadcaster and a quiz master. There was a, many a, a late school night where I'd be uh, tasked with running around a, a pub or a hall somewhere around the country collecting the answer sheets from, a, from various table quizzes and so on. Uh, in the early 70s, um, he had his own show on RTE, a quiz show called Cross Country Quiz, um, which was quite a big deal in those days back in the time, you know, most households would have only had one channel on their TV. So if you're on TV at that time, it was, it was a fairly big deal. You were fairly well known, um, completely unverified. But he always liked to claim that his show was the first show that knocked Gay Burns late, late off the top of Ortiz's viewing figures. Uh, don't know if it was true, but he always liked to say that it was. And it may or, may or not have been the case. He also wrote a total of 40 in quiz books in, his, in, in their day uh, between the early 70s and late 80s. And whenever you'd go into uh, Easton's on O'Connell Street, we'd always go over to the, the best-selling section and almost always his latest book would be up there somewhere on, on the shelf among the best-sellers at some point along the way. Um, moving on to the 80s, uh, which is the area that I remember from, uh, he, was, he was on radio by that stage and he had his own radio show, a show called around the country, which gave him the opportunity to interview quite a few well-known personalities at the time. Uh, I think he was the last person to interview Luke Kelly before he died in 1984, I think. And uh, one other famous person that he interviewed was uh, Jim McLaughlin when he was manager of Rovers. I think this would have been around 1985 or 1986. And um, my memory of this was that um, whenever anyone asks me, did I ever go to Milltown? Uh, my answer is no, but yes. Uh, obviously, I didn't start following Rovers until a good three and a half years after we left Milltown. I'll come to that in a moment. But one, the only time I actually paid a visit to Milltown was when my dad brought myself and my brother up to, I think it was an evening training session one summer evening to do the interview with Jim, Jim McLaughlin uh, for his radio show. And he'd, he'd always bring his, uh, his trademark uh, black uh, tape recorder and uh, microphone, which was a fairly antiquated device, but it was how things were done in those days um, to do the interview. And uh, I just, I had no real interest in it. I, I would have been only maybe six or seven at the time. So my own memory, I was just kind of wandering around and taking a look at the place. It, it didn't really mean much to me at the time. But we did get our picture taken with him. So there's a picture of myself and my brother with Jim, Jim McLaughlin uh, uh, hanging on my mum's uh, living room wall now uh, fr- from that, that day. It's interesting to look back at it because at the time, I had no personal connection with Rovers, but little did I know in the, in the years ahead, it would become such an important part of my life. Uh, but one interesting thing about the interview, which I, I don't think I ever heard back, but my dad remarked to me years later about Noel King, was that uh, when he was listening back to, to, to the recording of the interview for, for broadcast, he, there was a heckler in the background that kind of got picked up on the, on the, on the sound, um, mumbling something about Jim McLaughlin, and apparently it was Noel King. And it only really made sense to me uh, in recent years when I looked at that Derry City uh, in, uh, documentary where they discussed the, the tense relationship that existed between the two, which I hadn't been aware of. But when I saw that about the two of them, it kind of all made sense uh, about the, 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 the heckler in the background being, being Noel King. But anyway, uh, I wonder if Orty have that uh, interview somewhere under their archives. It will make interest for interesting viewing for, for or listening for, for Rovers fans if they did. 
But moving on to when I started following Rovers, which was in 1990, um, which was, of course, when the club moved to the RDS, uh, I was 11 and I didn't actually have much of an interest in football, much to I think to my dad's frustration. But that all changed uh, that summer, of course, with the uh, the summer of the World Cup and Jack Charlton's Ireland and Italia 90. And all of a sudden, uh, I was obsessed about football. And of course, this coincided with uh, Rovers moving to the RDS that September. And we lived in Sandymount, which was less than 10 minute walk up the road to the RDS. And I think my dad just mentioned to me in passing one day, oh, I believe Shamrock Rovers are going to be moving there shortly. Would you like to go to a game? And I said yes. And I think he probably thought, well, he might go along to one or two games and probably get bored of it. And that would be the end of that. And probably ne- never say anything more about it again. But of course, as we all know, it went the complete opposite way. And uh, I took to it. Probably a little bit too much. I think I think in the end he probably thought I was a little bit too obsessive about Rovers and maybe didn't think taking much of interest in in other sports, whatever. In the same way as he did, uh, like I said, he he'd watch anything on TV. Whereas for me, from that point on, it was it was all about Rovers, or at least all about Rovers and football. Anyway, um, he did take me to the odd Ireland game as, as well. But as I said, once I I started to get a little bit older and go along with my friends and all that, he he stepped away from it. I I think he stopped going to to Rovers. I think uh, when we left the RDS. He'd always watch a game on TV and he'd always ask me how we, how we got on and all that. But uh, once he stopped going himself, I think it, his, his connection with it uh, began to fall away and, and, and that's understandable. Um, but yeah, I mean, my brother was a Rovers fan from the late 70s, early 80s onwards, but he was living in London at the time when I started following Rovers. Uh, so it was down to my dad to make sure that I, I got interested. So even though he himself wasn't a huge Rovers fan, um. I suppose it's. I have to credit him with being the the man that that, that got me involved, uh, in the end. And if if it wasn't for the fact that he started bringing me along in those early days when I was eleven or twelve, um, I probably never got interested in Rovers. So I've I certainly haven't thanked for that. Hi lads, it's James Cook here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to say a few words about my late dad, Jimmy. My dad was born in nineteen thirty and was brought up in the Rovers hotbed of Crumlin. Like his own father, he was a painter and decorator all his life and he worked in many of Ireland's stately homes, such as Slane Castle. He then worked in the Old Coombe Hospital, and he spent many years in Harker Street Children's Hospital before retiring early. My dad would have gone to Rovers games with his dad, my grandfather. His era would have been the late 40s and all through the 50s. He loved Paddy Cold and the famous Cold Colts, and he would have grown up with many stories about that famous team and some of the matches they had played in. My dad, he'd long stopped going to Rovers games, but in 1979, in September 79, he brought me to my first game in Milltown, a one-all draw against Strada United. I know I've told the story on the podcast before, but all the way to Milltown that day, he kept on saying to me, look, it's not like looking at a match today, it's a small ground, a small crowd. But when I got through the gate and stood at the top of the steps and looked down, I just thought it was a simply magical sight. I was in awe of the whole thing. The players warming up, the smell of DP, the chance from the crowd, giving the ref stick. I was in love. And I remember my dad telling me years later, he couldn't believe my reaction to it. A few days later, he came home from work and handed me a bag. In it was a green and white scarf and hat. I just couldn't wait for the next game to come around. And when I did, I stood in the, in the shed of Milltown with my dad, my new hat and scarf on, and I felt this incredible sense of belonging. The rite of passage had been passed on. I was now a Rovers fan. When I was old enough to go on my own, the love affair with Rovers became full-blown. I was going home and away. I was an addict. When we lost Milltown, I threw myself into the campaign to try and save it. Although we never said it, I think my dad was proud I was doing something to save a ground that had so many special memories for him and his own father. 
when he used to talk to people about me and Rovers, my dad used to say, little did I know when I brought him to his first game, I created a monster. Now, I think he meant that in a nice way. When we played our first game in Tala, I asked my dad to come along, which he did. We got a photograph outside the stadium. Myself, my dad and my two sons, Sean and Keane. Three of the four generations of hoops in the family. And hopefully my own grandchildren will become the fifth generation. Before the game in the shop, my dad bought a Rover scarf for the day of the first game in Tala, which I now have and I wear occasionally to games. My dad was one of life's gentlemen. Anyone that met him would have said that about him. I never ever heard him course during his whole life and I in turn never coursed in front of him. That may sound a bit strange, but to me it was just a respect thing. Like my mum, my dad was a non, uh, non-drinker. So when he found out I was having a few, a few sneaky points at 15, he was less than impressed. It was only one of two serious rows I ever had with him. Should have been around the same era when he found out I was going on a Sinn Féin bus to the Wolf Town commemoration in Baldenstown. A huge row about republicanism developed. And he said to me, I remember him saying, the chances are Bobby Sands is the only hunger striker you remember. So anyhow, I rattled off the 10 hunger strikers' names, and so that was the end of the argument. But overall, we had a great relationship. And he instilled in me many values that I still hold dear today, such as simply enjoying the simple things in life. He was a very fit man and head off to the mountains and spend hours up there. He knew the mountains like the back of his hand. Even at the age of 80, we'd often meet me in my workplace in Harold's Cross. We'd have dinner, go for a walk, and then I'd leave him and he'd often walk out to Black Rock and then walk back to the Liberties. Himself and my mum had a great life together. They were inseparable. And when my mum died in 2007, my dad, he was never the same man again. He just he lost his soulmate and his best friend. My dad passed away in September 2015. He was a man I loved and respected in equal measure. To this day, I still miss the chats about Rovers and football in general and everything else. They say as you get older, you turn into your father. And there are times when my wife Valerie tells me this is the case with me due to certain things I might say or do. But you know what? I'll take that as a huge compliment. Because if I've turned it out to be half the man my dad was, then I'm happy. Thank you. Richard McGarry was born on the 18th of June, 1948, and grew up in Rathfarnham in the 1950s and 60s. It was at the age of four when his uncle brought him to Milltown one Sunday afternoon to see Shamrock Rovers play. In the early 1950s, most teams would have been togged out in plain coloured kits, but Dad was attracted to the unusual green and white hoops of Shamrock Rovers. It was the start of a 70-year love affair with the hoops. Dad was football mad. At the age of 16 in 1964, he and his teammates from Rathgar's Tree Patrons Football Club travelled to Barcelona to play their youth team at the Nou Camp. He was lining up for a promising footballing career, but it was in Barcelona he sustained an injury that was to hamper his playing ability thereafter. If he didn't sustain that injury, we can probably guess with confidence the only team he would have wanted to sign for. He took up a position of window display artist at Lenehan's hardware store on Capel Street in 1970, where he met his future wife, Geraldine Cowan. Richard indulged his creative flair whilst at Lenehan's, winning award after award for his window displays. We think of the famous Christmas windows at Arnott's now, yet 
Christmas was Richard McGarry's speciality. He was one of the first to use animatronics to enliven his windows. I distinctly remember the eight-foot-tall moving polar bear he called Daddy Cool, which he imported from Germany in the late 1970s. Decorations at our house at Christmas time didn't consist of a plastic tree in the corner of the sitting room and some garland strung out from the big light uh, to the four corners of the room. Oh no, we had commercial grade decorations, fake snow, baubles hanging from everything in the house and with more Christmas trees than Quilcher. Dad always gave everything more than 100%. Richard and Geraldine married in 1973 and moved to a brand new estate on the outskirts of a small rural village called Tala, where they had three children, Ralph, Natalie and Jolene. It was in Tala that he got involved in the local community, managed a junior football team and fundraised for the local national school where he ran a regular film night in the early 1980s showing blockbusters to the local kids such as Star Wars and Superman and Spider-Man and his favourite movie, The Italian Job, with Michael Caine and Noel Coward. Dad's major loves of his life was his family, which he'd do anything for. His community where he'd always share his skills for the betterment of others, his faith and devotion to the Blessed Virgin, and Shamrock Rovers. Dad was loyal to all four. The one word that appeared more than any other on the post on the Shamrock Rovers Facebook page announcing Dad's death was gentleman. I'd agree, but I'd also like to add another description. Loyal. When Shamrock Rovers were sponsored by Premier Dairies, Dad cancelled the Avamore Milkman. And when Rovers were sponsored by Whirlpool, Mam got a whole new set of kitchen white goods. We used to tease Dad that we'd scatter his ashes over the pitch at Tala Stadium. No way, he'd say. I'm not having bows trample all over me. Dad brought me to my first game. It was the start of the season in Milltown in 1984. I was nearly 10 years old and I remember standing at the pitch wall looking up at the pitch. The players' boots in line with my eyes. I was familiar with football on TV but live football was a whole new experience. I could hear the thud on the turf as players raced past me and the grunts as the ball was hoofed up the pitch or hearing the players shout directions to each other. I missed the goal that was scored that game, but I'm sure I'm not the only nearly 10-year-old familiar with TV football who has turned to their dad and said, Will there be a replay? It was not long afterwards when Dad started to help out at the shop in the shed in Milltown, serving a simple fare of oxtail soup in white styrofoam cups, potato cheese and onion crisps, and Mars bars. I was drafted in to help and I loved it. It was winter football and I was kept warm in that small brick built shed with the burgo boiler radiating an immense amount of heat. On those bitter winter afternoons we'd run out of oxtail soup 
I remember filling up a dozen styrofoam cups with water so hot it would strip the skin off the inside of your mouth and literally dunking a tablespoon furry with the last of the oxtail granules to colour the water. People devoured them. Like many of his peers, leaving Milltown had a big impact on Dad. And, like many of his peers, he joined Cram. I noticed that many supporters left the club at that stage, probably thinking the writing was on the wall for the club and that the task in hand was too onerous. But not Dad. He did whatever he could to drum up support. I remember a bunch of unopened letters from football supporters from around the world ending up at our house. There were people who were interested in the club, heard of its story and wanted a little memento, a badge, a programme or a scarf maybe. Inspired by a fact sheet I got from a shortwave radio station I once wrote to, I drafted up a fact sheet and called it the Shamrock Rovers World Service. Each Sunday after the games, Dad and I would answer these letters, sending a fact sheet and a programme free of charge to far-flung parts of the world. Even though the club was on its knees, Dad still thought it important to project the once-proud legacy of the hoops. Maybe that's when he got into designing and producing a number of rovers and enamel badges, sew-on patches and scarves. He also started selling programmes at programme fairs, Natalie helping set up the bundles of programmes the night before and then manning the table with him on the day. Natalie and I were drafted in to help sell programmes at the RDS, whilst Jolene has memories of serving tomato and oxtail cup of soups in those white styrofoam cups again in the shop there. Dad would allow this six-year-old to use the air horn as a treat. Dad never got paid for any of this. I think he lost money on the badges he sold, as he sold them at cost. He did it all, as he would say, for the love of the club. A mantra mentioned by many a supporter in the 80s and now. After nearly 40 years in the window display sector, he got a job as a library attendant in Tallis County Library. Within days of his start, his colleagues discovered his creative tendencies and very astutely arranged for him to be involved in putting together many temporary exhibitions. He was in his element. He loved the job and he loved the people he worked with. A former county librarian once told me of an interaction he had with Dad after Dad completed installing a new temporary display in the library. I don't know how much poetic license the librarian took in the telling of this story, but it's emblematic of Dad, and I like it, and I'm going to share it. The World Cup was about to start, and Dad was asked to facilitate an exhibition to mark the event. He hung the football shirts of each of the eight countries that had won the competition over the years around the mezzanine floor in the library. After finishing his task, Dad called over the county librarian to inspect his work. Looking up at the shock of vibrant colours from these national teams, the librarian was pleasantly surprised at how the display had turned out. But he did have one question for Dad. Looking up at the array of jerseys, he asked, Since when did Shamrock Rovers win the World Cup? 
I stopped going to the games with dad when I was about in my 30s. But that's when dad's son-in-law, Enda, and later dad's granddaughters, Lauren and Rebecca, stepped in and accompanied dad to Tala Stadium. With Chris and Dimpna and the others, they created the self-named Bloxy Selfie Crew in the West Stand. And they were and are a tight-knit and very supportive crew, especially as Dad's health started to wane. Dad struggled with Parkinson's and later Lewy body dementia in recent years. As he struggled, he withdrew from active participation in his passions, but he always liked hearing about what was going on in County Library and how his beloved Rovers were doing. He was delighted to hear of them winning their 20th league title. Dad died on the 20th of November 2022. And we miss him dearly. Uh, Phyllis, can you tell me what you remember about your dad, the very famous man, Bob Fulham? Bob Fulham? Um, well, he was 55 when I was born, so I, I don't remember a lot about his football career before that, obviously. <laughs> uh, but he was a fantastic dad, a lovely dad. Um so what age were you when he died? I was uh, 23. Right, so you would have very good memories of him. Yes, yeah. And in those years, he probably would have mentioned Shamrock Rovers a lot. Oh, he did. He? Yes, yeah. They talked. And anybody, I remember I went to St. Joseph's School and there was an Irish boy, Brendan Phelan, sat next to me at school. And we started talking and he said to me, I don't suppose you're interested in football, are you? And I said, well, I am actually. I said, because my dad used to play for Shamrock Rovers. And he said, you're telling lies. I said, I'm not. I said, his name was Bob Fulham. I said, they used to call him, give it to Bob. And the next day he came into school and he said, my dad's got a barbershop in Slough. He said, and I went home and I asked him, did he know any Bob Fulham that played for Shamrock Rovers? And he said... I didn't only see him play. He said, I had the privilege. He's been into my shop in Slough and I've cut his hair. And I've had a pint with the great man. So he said, if she's telling you her father's Bob Fulham, the great Bob Fulham, she's telling you the truth. <laughs> so you say that wiped the smile off his face. Yes. And he still writes about it today. <laughs> so Bob uh, came to live in Slough. Um, the early 1950s. There's yes. A funny story attached to that, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, my mum had two sisters. One lived in Hayes in Middlesex and her other sister lived in Wolverhampton. And her sister Eileen that lived in Hayes, her daughter Eileen was getting married. And mum said to dad, we're going over to Hayes for Eileen's wedding. And three of my sisters and my brother already lived in England. So we come over on the B&I. Mum brought some saucepans with her. Dad thought she was bringing them to help with the wedding. And we never went back to Ringsend again. And he didn't know he wasn't going back to Ringsend again. <laughs> so it was all unplanned. Basically. Yes, yeah. And that must have been a big move because Bob was born in Ringsend. Yes. So he would have been a native... And he would have had very close ties there. Yes. Uh, Family-wise as well as football-wise. Yes. So it must have been a really big move for him at the time. It was, yeah, it was a very big move. But they did go back. 
they did go back on holiday a few times and he saw all the family and his brother, Monsignor Fulham, he come over, every time he come over from America, he would come and stay with us for a long weekend and say Mass in Slough at St Anthony's Church. Now, I know your dad was 55 when he came over here, or when, when you were born. So, um, would he have spoken much to you about Shamrock Rovers as the years went by? As, as I got older, he would, you know, like he used to watch the football on a Saturday and he'd comment about how the players were playing then and how they used to play football and they're molly-coddled now, not like when we used to play in matches. We'd be up to our eyes in muck and... <laughs> I know when my own dad uh, was alive, um, he used to be always name-dropping people from his job. Did Bob ever speak about or mention any of the players? Oh, yes, John Joe Flood, uh, Farrell, Billy Farrell, was it? Billy Farrell, yeah. Billy Farrell. Jackie Glenn. Jackie Glenn. And there was, um, I remember rightly, was there a Dinny Doyle? Dinny Doyle, that's right. Well, he he emigrated to Canada, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Well, we were living in Canterbury Avenue in Slough and there was a knock on the door one night, about eight o'clock at night, and Dinny Doyle was standing at the door. That's amazing. He'd come back from Canada on holiday looking to see where... where looked up my dad in Ring's End and they said, no, he's gone to live in England now. And he found out where we lived and he come and stayed with us in Canterbury Avenue. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure your dad was delighted to see. Oh, Dinny he couldn't. Doyle. He couldn't believe it. And the, it was also there was a there was um, there was a bookie. Andy's name was come from Northern Ireland, but he idolised my dad. He followed Shamrock Rovers everywhere. Coming from Northern Ireland, you'd find that hard to believe. But they used to turn up in Ringsend all the time. And he'd give us a shilling each, and we thought we'd won the lottery. <laughs> um, did your dad get involved in football in any way when he moved over to England? No, no. So it was all. Finished. He was having because of that ulcer on his leg. He was having a lot of trouble, a lot of pain with that leg. And how would you describe your dad? I know he was a big man, wasn't he? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. When he walked into a museum, you noticed him. And it was said that he didn't take any nonsense from Oh, anybody. God, no. No. If he had something to say to you, he'd say it to you. Yeah. You think you would have made a really good team captain? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So we talk about uh, Shamrock Rovers and some of its past heroes and, you know, the influence that they would have had in the different years and yeah. whatever. I suppose it would be fair to say, and you might be able to relate to this, that because of the sort of character that Bob was, that he was a very strong character in the dressing room. Could you imagine that? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Were you you born in uh, Dublin yourself? Yes, I was, yeah. And where did you live? Ringsend, 14B Wheeling House we lived. Right, so there probably would have been still a lot of Shamrock connections around there at that time. Yeah, well, uh, Flood lived across the road from us. John Joe Flood. Yeah, John Joe lived in the flat across the road, across the square from us. And was it the case that uh, people like John Joe Flood and Bob Fulham would have been heroes down there even oh god yeah and when they i mean they when they worked on the docks every night when they or whenever they finished they'd go straight into peter nort's pub and they'd all be in there and they'd all be talking about football and telling them all the stories and when he went over to 
over to Leeds United and then come back again. And he was a great storyteller, a, an absolutely amazing storyteller. Did he ever bring you to a football match in Milltown yourself? No, no, I was too young. No. My sister Anne, he did. And he was very well known in... Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it now. Was it the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin? The Gaiety Theatre, yeah. Because he was so well known, he could go in really basically wherever he liked. People, you know, I think he even shook hands with De Valera at one time, I think. Yeah, I'm sure De Valera was delighted to meet him. Yeah. Um, with Bob, he was—he really was famous, and I'm sure he did get perks. And yeah, oh yeah, he that... could go into the hotels and go up to the bar, and every, they'd all buy him a drink. And and he used to take my sister Antoinette to the Gaiety Theatre, and obviously they never had to pay. He used to just go in and her and my mum, and you know. So he really was famous. Around, oh yeah, around Dublin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. probably. As yeah. you said, like over here as well in England. Yeah. Because we're speaking just for the benefit of the listeners. We're yeah. actually speaking here in England at the moment after just um, the laying of the read to mark yes. the 100th anniversary. Do you think that your dad missed uh, Shamrock Rovers anyway after he moved over Oh, here? yes. Yeah. 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 He missed his football career, I think. He missed it. He did make He loved football. It was his life. It was his life. He loved it. I mean, he was playing from what age? How old was he when he started to play? Young boy, wasn't he? Well, he would have been very young. Um, I think he was around 13 or 14 yeah. when he first started playing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was... He loved it. I can imagine that he could look after himself very well on the pitch because at that time, football would have been very rough. Yes, yeah. Did he ever tell you any stories? Well, he got... I think, well, like I said to you about his leg and, you know... But I'm. I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I think if uh, anybody would have done anything wrong, he would have given them as good as what they gave him. <laughs> he would have got his own yeah. back on them. Yeah. yeah. And I heard that um, when he'd go into the dressing room at halftime, if the team was losing, that he'd sort the players yeah. out. Could you imagine him giving them all the ball? Oh God, out? yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the same at home with us. He was. He was strict. You know, you had to do what you were told. And if he was the same with the football team, which I assume he was, and you wouldn't dare answer back. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, even though football was rough at the time, you still needed a certain amount of discipline amongst your, yeah. your own ranks and whatever. And yeah. They probably needed a character like Bob yeah. to do that. Now, he also played for Shelbourne before he joined Shamrock Rovers, but he was quite young at that time, but... He seemed to spend most of his time at Rovers. I think he joined Rovers in 1921 and he was still at the club in 1945, possibly a little bit longer than so that. So that was so. a year before I was born. So he, yeah, he had um, a long innings at Shamrock yeah. Rovers. Yeah. Um, you were saying that you might come over, you are thinking of coming over to Dublin in September. Definitely, if Shamrock Rovers are playing at home, we want to come over and come and watch Shamrock Rovers play. All the family would love to come over and see where he played foot. Well, it's not the same place now, is it? It's Tallinn now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but the, but mem it's, the memories, it, the memories of the club. Yeah. And I'm sure that we'd all be delighted to welcome you all over yeah. to Dublin and to Tallis Stadium. Yeah. I'm sure the fans and the, the board of Shamrock Rovers would be thrilled to meet you all. That would be a great occasion. Um, would you remember anything much more about Bob? Um, 
Could you tell us about, you were saying that he worked up until he was 75 years of age. Yes, yeah. And then he died at 76. Yeah, he was nearly 77 when he died. He died from prostate cancer. Right, and it must be very difficult for you at the time. It was very difficult for all of us. Yeah. Shall I tell you a story about when he... um, It's a funny story, actually. When we come over to England, my sister Carmen lived in a house in Canterbury Avenue. Anyway, we moved in there with her. She was renting the house. So when the landlord used to come round, he didn't know we were... We used to all have to hide. So... Because she wasn't allowed to have anybody else living there, her and her husband and their two sons. So we used to hide on a Friday night when he came round to collect the rent. Anyway, he come round this Friday and he said, um, "Carmen, he said I've come to tell you I'm selling the house." So he said, um, "You need to look for somewhere else." He said, "And you can tell your family to come out of hiding now." <laughs> so, anyway. The story goes, Carmel and her husband bought a house in Kent Avenue and my mum, they were both working at the time, but we didn't have loads of money and she was in St Ethelbert's Church in Slough praying and the priest that was there knew us from going to Mass, Father Mossy, and he come up to her and he said, are you all right, Mrs Fulham? And she said, no, Father, I'm not. She said, um, she told him the story about the, the, the house so he said how much money do you need for the deposit for the house so she said I need £200 so he lent her the £200 for the deposit Father Mossy in the church and we bought the house in Canterbury Avenue but Dad was getting on then he was older then so when they applied for the mortgage she made him 10 years younger <laughs> than what he was so then when he got thyroid problems, he used to have to go to Middlesex Hospital in London and have radiotherapy. So the specialist called her in one day and he said, Mrs. Fulham, he said, we're quite puzzled here, he said, by your husband. She said, what's wrong? She said, is he seriously ill? He said, no, but he said, you've told us he's only six, he's only 55, but actually he's got the body of a man of more 65 to 70. Oh, my God, she said, and she told him the truth. She said, I had to make him 10 years younger. She said, you won't have the mortgage taken away from us, will you? And he said, no, Mrs. Fulham, we're just more concerned about his health. (laughs) And that's how we, that's the story of how we got to buy Canterbury Avenue. So that cleared up that mystery for the medical people. Yeah, Yeah, but I'm sure Bob was delighted with that. Yeah, he (laughs) He made a bit younger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just ask you, Lassie Phyllis, um, obviously, like, I have come over here today for, you know, this very special occasion. Yeah, and to, it's lovely of yeah, you to, to come. to lay the reed. Um, are you pleased that Shamrock Rovers have remembered? Oh, oh, absolutely over the moon. My family, well, you, you know, they can't, they're so appreciative of what's happened today. They're absolutely over the moon. And you were telling me also that you understand that there's a tournament held in Ringsend each year. That's the right. Pride of Ringsend Sports yeah. Club. Yes. And you were telling me about that. that yeah. It's, yeah. It's named after your dad. You must yeah. be delighted with that too. It's the Bob Fuller Memorial Cup, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, if hopefully if if I can find out information, if it's, if it's happening this year, I might go over for it. Please, God. 
Well, that would be great, and I'm sure they'd be very yeah. pleased to welcome you. They'd be very pleased to see you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Phyllis. Oh, and thank you, Robert. I can't thank you enough for this lovely tribute to my dad. Thank you. He was a great man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, can I just say one thing? How good these immorals were. Bob Fulham is my man. You know why, don't you? How old was he when he had that baby? (laughs) Bob Fulham is the man. Knocking them out at 55. What a legend. Robert's legend. That's just 30 years later than you, is it? <laughs> Unbelievable. No, 40 nearly. It was 18. Um, <laughs> Bro, that was unbelievable. She knew like about the Pride of Rings End tournament. You got a player travelling over and knocking on the door. Did he do or whatever it was. Unbelievable, man. Brilliant. I can't believe that actually happened. That's That's class. Where right, my geography's terrible. Where's Slough? It has to be London, does it? London, yeah. Yeah, you can tell. Sounds like a bit of an Essex an Essex accent, but um no, brilliant stuff all around from everybody. Um yeah, so you just heard from Ray Wilson. We've heard that one before. You've Peter Murphy Jr., James Cook, Ralph McGarry and Phyllis Sismer. Um I'm probably not pronouncing I'm probably butchering that on my prop. Um James Cook would be favourite hoops prof once again. Um loved the whole lack of coursing. Which is totally old school. It is very old school. It's so old school Dublin. Not the course. And then of course the Republican and James getting them in trouble. <laughs> We've got five generations of kooks now, don't we? Five generations um, of kooks. Yeah, Peter Murphy. Uh, his dad was a well-known personality in RTE. Wrote a lot of books. Quizman quiz Supreme. Master. The original Quizmaster. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I love the story about him interviewing Jim McLaughlin. That was Peter's only ever visit to Milldown. And he has that photograph on the wall. Mm. Uh, um, Ralph McGarry, who sounds like he narrates uh, very scary horror films. <laughs> that, that's Gareth's words, not mine. Uh, uh, at the, I felt like I was getting the chills in the car. I was like, something's about to murder me. Well, no. What, what I'll do was... Ralph asked me he said how do you want the, the audio and I said most people do on Whatsapp he says I have my own studio so when he sent this to me it I, was crisp I knew this is going to sound crisp and clear it was and beautiful very crisp but, no studio so he's involved well you have to, you have to uh, I haven't asked him where Take he, it what, back. what he does for a living he doesn't kill people <laughs> he doesn't kill people <laughs> yeah I love I love Richard yeah cancelling the milk round because they're a rival sponsor. That's unbelievable. That's loyalty. I, I knew actually knew Richard a little bit because he uh we were briefly in the Heritage Trust together. So this would have been around twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Richard had just retired, I think. <coughs> so he had that free time. So he was offering his services to sort of help the memorabilia and source stuff in the club shop. And uh, so I talked to him a little bit and he was an absolute gentleman. Yeah. So everything is still in the same building there is 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 true. Um, really so, enjoyable yeah. again, Prof. But um, it just you keep you keep pulling them out of that. Huh? <laughs> you keep doing it. So that was the memoriam, and we will obviously come up with more. We've got one non-actual person, maybe a few other things we're going to come up with. But um, it's a big, big ten days, Prof. It's a big week in the his in 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 the hoops season. We got Sligo at home, we got Derry away, we got Bowes at home. It yeah. could be a big swing here. We're hoping we don't end up with egg in our face, but I'm confident because I think we've been really good. Big support, and we're going to have 7,000 in Tallis Stadium. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully a solo allocation on Monday in Derry and a big, big support against... Then get user Derry tickets. Get user Academy t- Cup tickets. Yep. Get user two-star crested scarves. Oh, yeah. Get user Bob Fulham 27 jerseys down mm-hmm. to the last 100 now. Yep. So that is it for this week. We will see you on Block X. See you in the South Stand. I keep on hoping. See ya. Same song.